Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Spawncast episode five. I'm very happy to have a pretty awesome group of people here to talk games and news with. Now, let me go down the line. Of course, you know Philip at this point. Philip, how are you doing? I'm doing amazing. How's everyone else doing? Actually, first, let me just tell you, I am knee deep into Mario Kart. So I am very tired right now. Excuse me if I'm a little drowsy. But other than that, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much. And uh, let me jump over from there to Evan. Evan, how's how are things over in the in the artist world? All right, but tired as well. I mean, conventions coming up, so I still got way too much to do. Very little time in games. Uh, hopefully, I can add a little bit to this. Which um which conventions coming up? Uh, just local ones. First Day Comic Con. I'm gonna apparently be featured at a local store for the free comic book day and stuff. It's just minor things. Oh, okay, very good, very good. Uh, you're gonna be wait. You're on the the comic book day. You're like featured. Yeah, uh, there's going to be a bunch of artists at the local store that I have. They do like an event thing with food and everything. So it's a bigger than normal type situation with them. Wow, okay, that's that's actually pretty awesome. Uh, and from there, let me jump over to our guest. Jump it over to Shane from ReRes TV. Shane, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy to have you on. You're. Uh, it's very kind of you, honestly, to come on to what is really, a, it's a smaller YouTube channel, obviously, compared to yours. You're, you've been around for a bit. You're well-known, obviously, and... Uh, you have quite a few subscribers, so I appreciate you taking the time out of your night. Uh, are, you, are you Eastern time? I shouldn't say that before I ask. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm Eastern, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, take, yeah. take so time it's like, out It's of the same night. time zone. It's not like it's <laughs> 3 in the morning for me or anything, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, in, um, are you, you're in Canada, right? Yeah, I'm in Ontario. North. Oh, okay, okay, very good, very good. I wasn't sure. I just wanted to make sure. But, yeah, so that's. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, jumping on to this to this podcast. It's very cool for you to do that with, uh, like I said, smaller YouTubers technically, so I appreciate that. That's um, all community, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and um, with that, I want to say real quick, we are giving away a controller. This is courtesy of PDP, so thank you, PDP, for making this possible. It's the Halo Halo Wars 2 Banished Limited Edition controller. This works for the Xbox One and the PC. It is only wired, but you plug it in with what is a 10-foot cable that comes with it, and it works great. And this is not a paid promotion or anything. They are literally just hooking us up with the controller to give away. Uh, link is down in the description. Before the end of this podcast, a winner will be announced, and it will be shipped out to you. Uh, not tomorrow, tomorrow Sunday. It would be Monday. But get down in the description, guys, and get entered into the contest. And with that, let's get started with the first thing today, which is what did everyone play? I know Philip, you were just talking. You mostly played Mario Kart, right? Yeah, for uh, since Thursday, actually, I actually got it from the Japanese eShop a day early. I, I couldn't wait, so <laughs> I went ahead and downloaded it. Um, but I was actually doing a charity stream the following day. I was going to so. ask you about this. I saw you did a charity stream. It was actually it's really cool you to do that because I saw that on the Reddit. Actually, is that where is that where you um you saw it too? It was on Reddit, or did they reach out to you? Uh, they actually reached out to me personally uh, a couple weeks oh, ago, cool. but I wasn't really allowed to announce anything until like a day or two before, which was really hard. Um, but finally, like, you know, once it went public, it was all really exciting. And I just really was focusing on like playing Mario Kart and getting better at that because it had been really years since I picked it up. I kind of skipped the Wii U. Um, some of you guys know that. But um, I yeah, I mean, that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's a blast. I mean, it, uh, for me, it's like playing it for the first time. So I'm one of those people and I, I'm having so much fun with it. Like the online is amazing, um, but I'm still like confused as to like how to play with my friends. So I don't know. Maybe maybe well, we can talk about that. Are we running the into that? Are we running into that where you need still need a friend code, right? Yeah, you still like I'm. I know. Like I have a ton of friends on the Switch because I've been mm -hmm. handing out my friend code constantly. But 
whenever I look in the friends menu of Mario Kart itself, I don't see my friends showing up. Um, okay. So I don't know. Like someone said in my charity stream chat that I have to like verify friends, but I'm not sure if they, it's if they just, yeah, I don't know how it works. I hope that's something they fix going forward. Cause that's uh, obviously it's 2017. I think it's about time we get to that, you know, that point where it's seamless to play online with people. Um, now to play with people I didn't know, it was very easy to turn on Mario Kart and just go, but I get oh, yeah. what you're saying. If you want to organize a tournament, it seems a little harder than I think than it should be right now. Right, especially if you just want to do like a really quick one. I know that they they do actually have a tournament mode in there, okay. um, which is awesome. So like you can make a tournament, like you can make a spawn wave tournament, which I'm sure you're probably gonna do. Um, I, I will, I will, but I I have to make a bef real quick before I before I forget this. I, I have to make a video about Nintendo. See, I'm very uh, Shane. You may not know this. I'm very on Nintendo about their YouTube policies to the point where I parry to them a lot. <laughs> um, and I have to, I already know what I'm doing for Mario Kart, but I need to get, there's an acquaintance I have has a Mario costume. And so to, to put the point across, I need a Mario costume and a crowbar so that I can show what Nintendo does before I stream Mario Kart. So, <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Nintendo's YouTube policies at all. I'm like really not, but yeah. Um, so, uh, what were we go on, Philip? I'm sorry, I, I completely interrupted you there. I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. Um, no, no, yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, I've, I've like I said, I've been having fun with it. Um, but other than that, all I've been playing is uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris. Same Just here. Ton, yep. Tons of that earlier this week. I've had the Japanese version for a while, but I never really got into the campaign mode because I was waiting for like the story, you know, the yes, amazing yes. story. And then once <laughs> I kind of got into it. Uh, I got out of it pretty quickly. Okay. So, um, <laughs> did you, yeah, uh, I don't know. Did you get the physical version or the, the digital one? I just went digital. It's so did hard you, for oh, me. Did you see what was in the physical one? I yeah, I watched your unboxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was cool. <laughs> there was uh, there it, it comes in like one of those cardboard <laughs> sleeves, right? It comes in a cardboard uh, box with the case in, but then it also comes with uh, two keychains. So I'm kind of a yeah. sucker for that kind of stuff. I usually I'm get jealous. physical. Um, <laughs> but I do understand that was a ten dollar difference, right, between those. I believe so. Yeah, there was like some yeah. sort of a difference. It was but... that was forty. I understand it was thirty digital, um, which seems interesting. But that's uh, I guess that's the topic for later. Uh, let me jump over to to Shane. What, Shane, what are you playing this week? Oh boy, uh, I've been playing a lot of classic DOS games. Um, I've been trying to build this list of uh, retro video games that I haven't played in a long time to kind of. I'm trying to do like a series on them, hmm. and uh, of modern games right now, I've been playing Flint Hook like mad. Oh, okay, uh, cool. Flint Hook is amazing. It's got to be one of the best uh, 2D, just action platform, randomly generated level games I've played in a really long time. It kind of reminds me of like Mega Man slash uh, Super Meat Boy slash FTL in some weird ways because there's like some roguelike elements there, but okay. not exactly. It's, it's just fantastic. I, I've been just enjoying the heck out of that game, and I'm constantly streaming it on Beam whenever I get a chance. Oh, that's cool. So you, you jumped over to Beam instead of, like, uh, Twitch. Well, um, so it was weird because, I, I, I don't know, uh, there's, like, a big, huge following on Twitch. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's cool. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't really, I don't like Twitch. They, they seem to be very, like, I think they're, like, screwing over streamers. I don't really like the way they're going about things. So oh. Beam is, is this other option. I would be streaming from YouTube gaming like all the time. I love YouTube gaming. I I, I like hanging out with my my subscribers and sure, my followers yeah. and stuff like that. But but you can't do that on Xbox Live straight from the system. There is no YouTube gaming app. So I either do that or or I I either do nothing or I stream on Beam. Well, do you have like a capture device at all? 
I do, but I keep my Xbox One uh, S in, an, in another room, and oh, I don't yeah, I don't like hooking everything up. I, I just I really like trying just the, the built-in system and seeing what sure. that's capable of. It, it is easier. It. Yeah, it is yeah. a lot easier. Um, and so Beam I is insane. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, Beam... Microsoft owns that, right? Yeah, they. I, I don't know the whole story. Apparently they existed two years ago, and then Microsoft bought them. And I was just thinking, like, oh, good, Microsoft's just going to do nothing with streaming. But if you right. use Beam, it's, like, it's instant. When when someone writes a message, it's, it's instantly, like, you're streaming of the moment. If you die, everyone's going to see it right when you die. And it's like having a phone call with somebody. It's really, really strange how fast it is. And I... I kind of like that. And I really hope that all the other streaming services kind of get to that as well. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's um, I, I will say a lot of the time people, streamers especially, go with wherever the money is. And I, I think right now, I guess Twitch is like where the money is for streamers is what I'm assuming because it's like people like H3H3 are jumping over to Twitch now. And I have to assume that's just because of how YouTube has kind of died with ads and everyone's just trying to scramble and look for a way to make money, I guess, at this point. Yeah, that's pretty um, much so, it. I, I, yeah. I understand that. I'm... By no means am I uh, trying to make money from streaming, so Beam's just fine with me. Oh, I don't yeah. make a dime, I just have fun with it. Yeah, no, streaming is really just a way to really connect with your audience and kind of enjoy it and have fun, you know? Because if you're going to sit around and play games anyway, why not, why not play with some subscribers you have and stuff, you know, your community? So yeah. that makes sense to me. Um, Evan, what have, uh, what have you been playing? Is it more gigantic still, or did you move on from that? I've been putting that on hold. I mean, again, okay. I've been mostly focusing on other things, but I did fall into a kind of MMO. Like, need. You're about to say Black Desert Online. Yeah, uh, people, I wanted to try it out, and a buddy of mine wanted to get into it too, so we've been playing alongside each other. And, I mean, it, it's its own thing. It's mostly because I do like uh, open-world MMOs with ocean aspects to them, and you and I are both looking forward to that pirate one coming up. Uh, sea of Thieves. Yeah, it looks yep, great. That looks really good. And then, uh, I just wanted to give it a shot, and I, it's weird. Most of the time, I know you do this too a lot, we do the whole like early release or day one type things. Mm -hmm or even pre-order type stuff. And yeah. I feel like uh, those games have started to not feel great going into them right away. And with Black Desert, I mean, I picked it up, and even though, yes, in Korea, we're, they're way ahead of us, I'm mm -hmm. picking Black Desert up when they've added a ton of stuff that when I look at it, I'm like, if I started this game without all this, I right. would not be playing it. Like That's ever. the thing you run into. MMOs usually start very bare-boned, and then they kind of work their way up to being like a large world like they promise. I remember Elder Scrolls really ran into that in the beginning, and World of Warcraft was was not invulnerable to this either. When World of Warcraft starts out, started out, it was very small compared to what it is now. So it takes some time for those games to really get some traction and get large. So Yeah, so it's kind of a new experience since I'm starting only, late. That, that's only $10, right? Yeah. Oh, see, okay, that's not bad. Like, like yeah. I said, if it's a low price of entry, I mean, free to play is the ultimate low price. But if it's ten dollars, that's not bad. You know, I mean, it's not, it's not the worst. Yes, yeah, so. that, that's about it though, because okay. of all the other stuff I'm doing right now. What our work? I get, I get it, I get it. Yeah, I've been doing. I did Puyo Puyo Tetris, Mario Kart, and then I played the Prey demo that just came out ooh, yesterday, I think. Yeah, um, I but they put. That too. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was okay. I. I think. It was. Uh, it had some Half-Life feel to it when I'm playing through it. I realize I'm holding a wrench and beating stuff, much like I was as Gordon Freeman, you know, 20 years ago, <laughs> where I was beating head crawlers. So it's very similar to that. But it did have a really cool reveal, kind of. I want to say like a quarter of the way through, uh, where you kind of bash into another world, and it, it was a really cool feeling, I think, right there. But outside of that, I it was okay. I think I don't think it was anything mind blowing to me, especially not with the trailers they had showed us before when they first showed Prey 2 at E3 a long time ago. 
I'm like a huge fan of the original Prey. Like, I love that game so much. I love its story, its narrative, its structure, uh, the way that it brought everything together, and I really, really like that game. So when I played the demo, I already knew from the videos that we weren't going to get the exact same game. Yeah. Can, I, can I do, like, a soft prediction here just because sure. when this game comes out, I am, I am, I promise you everyone's going to be bitching about this. <laughs> it's tired. an hour, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's not like they're going to change the game that much. No. Getting tired while throwing a wrench is the dumbest mechanic I've seen in a first-person shooter. Where you can't just swing around and like you're losing you your can't. stamina bar. Oh, he's just like, oh, 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 I, can't. oh I just can't. Fight for your life, you're about Maybe to die. I died in that game. Yeah. Like, because because my, my character runs out of breath swinging a wrench. I'm like, dude, you're not going to survive the rest of this fight. Okay? Like, there's a lot worse things up ahead. You're just fighting off what, a, what apparently could just be considered ants at this early entry to the yes. game, and he's already running out of breath. Did you wow. did you finish the demo completely? Uh, yeah. Well, I I got to the end of the story section yeah. or whatever, and then it, okay, it showed yeah. up the pre-order now, and I was like, yeah. no. So I, so I didn't want to ruin it for anyone who hasn't played it yet in the stream, but there is a really cool reveal kind of halfway through. It's very Truman Show like when you get further into it. Um, but it's uh, that part's cool. I like the mimics how they turn into actual things in the world, and if you guess what they are and hit them, they die almost immediately. Um, but I can under, I understand what you're saying. Some of the mechanics are kind of tired and boring, whereas you go back and you look at the original Prey that had, I still think one of the coolest scenes was right in the beginning when you're getting pulled up into the spaceship and they have, uh, what was it, um, Don't Fear the Reaper playing by yep. Blue Oyster Cult over on yep, the, yep. the boombox turn, or the jam box turns on and all of a sudden starts spraying it all over the bar. And it was, that was one of the coolest scenes that I remember. You know, that was awesome. Um, and to go from that to this, where it's kind of using the same like I said, Truman Show effect seems less original, I think, but that's um, honestly all I remember from the first Prey. Everybody remembers that. That was like one, one of the best scenes back yeah. then. You know, that was it. I mean, it showed because it was when the 360 first came out, so the power was still new to everyone with the visuals and everything. And then you get something like that where it's really cool. So, but other than that, uh, you know, I'll check it out. Um, Bethesda is doing that weird thing where they're not sending early copies out to reviewers and it makes people nervous, but um, I guess we'll find out three days after if it was good or from the people who buy it that day and then complain online like we all probably will. So, um, but let me, uh, let me jump from there real quick. Uh, Shane, I wanted to ask you about your controller, this all controller. Um, and I was very interested in some of the backstory and the workings around that. Now, this controller, from what I've seen, because I, I, I usually research the people we have come on here, and your all controller was really interesting to me because it looks like a controller that is literally for all systems and devices for the most part, if, if, I'm, if I'm getting that correctly. Is, is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. We sat down and tried to figure out a name for quite a while there, and all controller was the one that just made the most sense. It certainly right. sounded better than, like, Everything that plays everything controller. So all just kind of sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it looked really cool. Now there were, you sent it to some YouTubers. I saw one in particular where he kind of reviewed it and talked about it. it looked really neat. Um, but I wanted to ask you: is that is that like your is that like your main thing doing this, or do you are you with a couple people kind of collaborating on it? Oh, so yeah, I didn't invent the controller by any means. Um, oh, okay. The, okay, I wasn't sure yes, about all this. Yeah. yeah. So so how it happened essentially was. Uh, I, uh, I I was going through a couple of local businesses and a couple of local people that were trying to start small businesses and small small groups, and uh, I was trying to start Rerez as kind of a production studio where we could do other videos and stuff. And through that, I met somebody that was creating a video game device, and the video game device he made was interesting, but I didn't know if it would work. But the way that the device worked is that it needed to use this controller, and the controller they gave me um, was just this interface device. And when I saw it, I was like. So this is a really cool controller. It had a screen on it. I hadn't really seen anything like that before. 
And I asked them what the controller worked with, and they said, well, we can make it work with anything. And I was like, that's the product. That's what you guys need to do. So right. um, we had tons and tons of meetings. Eventually, they brought me on board as somebody that just knew a lot about video games, knew a lot about the gaming industry in general. And um, so we started like, like pitching a ideas. for them, kind of like a consultant to try to help them understand mm -hmm. like how it should work. To a degree, they they understood quite a bit about gaming, but like uh, they 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 had seen the show, so they saw what I was doing uh, on Rerez, and we we had like this one awesome meeting when we came to my house, and I I, I put every controller I own, which is a lot of controllers, sure, on a yeah, single yeah. table. I just pointed to this and I went, that's the best D-pad. Those are the best buttons. Those are the best triggers. This has the best rumble. This has the best feel. This has the best texture. This has the best mold and design. And I just basically told them like all these really good aspects and what made them that well, mm -hmm. oh, made them that way. And um, we kept making different versions. The, the controller that you've seen in the video right now, that's the mm -hmm. latest model. Oh, okay, um, cool. We've actually had way earlier models that were 3D printed, but the current one is actually mold-injected plastic, which is a lot more expensive to do. But we wanted to get like a finalized design so that when we eventually do hit Kickstarter, we would be showing off um, something that's very close to final, something that you could actually tangibly see. And one of the hardest parts is making sure the controller worked with as many devices as we could. So the one thing I really want to make sure that we could do is with that controller, um, basically run every single PC game ever made, no matter sure. what it was, it would be able to run with this controller, and it totally does that now. So like RTSs and everything? RTSs, everything, absolutely everything. Oh, you good. could even very play good. Zork with it if you wanted. Oh, and like I said in the video, I wouldn't recommend it because yeah. <laughs> you're using like a little on-screen prompt. I, 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 I honestly wouldn't recommend that. But uh, Doom, you just mm -hmm. turn it on, you set the controller to what you want it to do, and it just works. And it's funny because I've actually, I, 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 because I was playing some older DOS games today, I uh, plugged in my 360 controller I always keep near my uh, desk. And uh, I was trying to play Gex, and Gex doesn't have 360 controller input settings because it, it's just too old. And I was just like, and I don't have the all control with me right now. We've actually, we're doing yeah, some that's what we're talking about. On it. Yeah, and I, I was just like, I could be playing Gex with an actual, or Gex with a real controller right now, but I can't. And it kind of sucked, and I just, I, I want it again. And I can't wait until we get the model ready so I can play with it again. So, so last but question, yeah. best D-pad, best NES? The best D-pad I've ever used mm -hmm. is probably going to, and I know this is going to be like, this is going to really irritate people, I think. Just don't say 360. Xbox One Elite Controller. Okay, okay. I thought you were going to say 360. Okay, I can live with something like that. So so the, 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 the current uh, Switch Pro Controller has a very squishy D-pad. I think it's one of the worst features of the and controller. You can, you can press all of them at once, right? Yeah, yeah. And which is, that's, that's that. a... That is a complete flaw, and uh, Nintendo should be embarrassed. They're the ones that created the D-pad. The fact that they didn't catch that when they were designing it is confusing to me. I've been trying to do research to find out who actually designed that controller, and I really don't know, but as far as I can tell, it's actually not Nintendo Japan. It might be Nintendo Germany, seeing hmm, as how the controller actually has designed in Germany on it. Yeah, or built yeah. in Germany or something, <laughs> yeah. which is yeah. weird. That's You usually don't equate that with Nintendo, but there you go. Yeah, I took um, mine apart on camera, so I, I looked at it pretty thoroughly inside. Um, <laughs> even that little message that they had in there for gamers. So um, it was. Uh, yeah. I, get, I get what you're saying though with that. Like I said, I noticed right away when I was using it that you could kind of hit all positions at once. Now I will say, if you have a switch, that's the best way you're going to play a game is with that. So it's worth oh, getting. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's not the worst D-pad. It's just it's 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 probably the worst one Nintendo's done. So that's still really good. You yeah, know, yeah. Maybe, I mean, it's not—it's not, it's not 360 bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's like that—that uh, that shield is not fun. I wouldn't recommend that shield to anyone. So, you know, it's—it's it's a little bit different. But I think that—I uh, think that 
they 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 kind of fell fell off on that one there a little bit. But the the console really isn't about D pad, you know, like that. It doesn't have it on the basic controller, so it just doesn't make sense for them to really, I guess, put everything down in that way. So okay, well that's that's uh, that's really interesting. But I mean, I I can't really fault you for liking a controller that's it's pretty. I mean, it's like one hundred and fifty dollars for that controller, right? For an elite controller, so it oh yeah, really, yeah. it really should have the best D pad if you really consider that, you know. So that's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty premium, yeah. Yeah, so that's um, I'm completely fine with that. But um, let's uh, let's do that. So we had some interesting news in the in the gaming world this week, which is putting it lightly because there's a lot of stuff happening this week that that I think shocked some people one being the 2ds XL <laughs> and I know I know it shocked Shane because I was watching his stream okay and they announced the 2ds XL right and I, I don't think you were looking at a computer or your phone or anything were you at the time when you were going on your like 3ds talk or like I guess rant even <laughs> I was I was basically saying that I would. Uh, there's no way that they're going to release um, more 3DS uh -huh. games and all that stuff and focus on that because it would be suicide for them to do that. Then two seconds later, my entire yep. chat just fills up with 2DS XL, 2DS XL, and I was like, "What?" And then I literally <laughs> pulled the camera down from where I was and I dragged it over to my computer and I'm typing. It's like bullshit. How did you know that? I was so shocked. I've never. Who announces a console at Thursday at 9 p.m. Nintendo. Well, well, that would have been um, because a, a special edition of that just announced console the very next day at 8 a.m. Nintendo. Yeah. I am so shocked that that happened. That is beyond anything I would have expected. I will say at least in the Nintendo Japan or Japan, it was what that would have been Friday, like midday or something like that. Um, so they're like 13 hours ahead. So actually, it would have been like that would have been like 10, I guess, in the morning when they first get there for business, I assume. But but I, I agree, yeah. it was kind of out of nowhere, right? I mean, it kind of popped up when I was, like I said, watching a stream, and it was like, oh, 2DS XL, and I click it, and then I hear you in the background start to say stuff about the 3DS and everything, and I'm like, oh, that's why I sent you that tweet, and I was like, ah, uh, 2DS XL, dude. <laughs> so. I, I don't, I didn't like, I just, I just. I think it's I think it's strange that they're still going by Japan time because really mm -hmm. the majority of their market exists outside of Japan. So if they're going to announce products, announce it when you know the majority, like 80, 70 yeah. percent of your market is paying attention. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's that's just me. I, I'm a, I'm a little bit old school like that, where you don't launch a TV show at like four in the morning because chances are people aren't going to see it unless it's Jerry Springer. But. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's you can DVR that and watch that all day. Um, uh, Phil, Phil, let me let me ask you, what do you think about the 2DS XL, man? Um, you know, I was shocked when when I saw it. I also heard about it on Twitter, and um, <clears throat> you know, I I checked out the trailer right away that they released like the cool marketing. They always have like the coolest marketing trailers. I swear, I don't know where they find. They're pretty those. good. They make you want to buy the item. I'll say that. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> but um, you know, it makes sense. Uh. For me, I guess for them to release something like this, because the Switch it is three hundred dollars. They're obviously going in at a lower price point here, um, but you know the timing is a little weird in my mm -hmm. opinion. Um, I'm not sure why they're doing it now. I would I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they didn't just do this at E3 or at, sure. you know during the holiday season. Like why are they taking away from their E3 show, which is confusing to me. Mm -hmm. um, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I do think that it's it's gonna perform well. I'm personally gonna get one. Um, I'm gonna try and get one on day one and try and do a review video for it and unboxing and all that stuff. Um, but I think that uh, you know, because I never had a new 3ds, so I'm gonna I'm I'm 
assuming that this one plays like Xenosaga, right? Or Xenoblade, right? Xenoblade? What's that? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a new 2DS XL, yeah. so it is right. the new 3DS without the 3D feature. So, so it's got the little nubbin nipple <laughs> thing in the... Stick, okay. Amiibo support, the whole nine yards, yep. Right, yeah. So, like, I just have a 3DS XL. So I would... Uh, I'm interested in it, you know, even though I have a Switch, I'd love to go back and play some of those games on it while I wait for, like, the Switch version of uh, Xenoblade. <laughs> Why yeah, not? Yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, yeah, no, Evan, you saw this 2DS XL, didn't you? Yeah, I looked into it a little bit. I, it it seems all right, I guess. I know we last time we talked about the possibility of a smaller Switch coming out, and then mm -hmm. this drops as well. I don't know, it... With all that swirling around, it almost feels kind of like the uh, the DSi XL release, which was the year before the 3DS just decided to go. No, yeah, that's right. That. I remember that. Yep. So mm -hmm. I, it just feels a little off, but at the same time, it works because it's it's Nintendo looking at the gimmick of 3D, and even though they did get like sued and lost over yeah. the technology, they were like, "Yeah, this isn't this isn't good." So mm -hmm. we'll just get rid of it, and we'll just have a powerful system because that seems to be what everyone likes. It's going for the they're going to be interested because it's different to they just want something they can play powerful stuff on. They, they did yeah. get you on that DSi, though. Yeah. <laughs> on your DSi because they made well, they you showed, trade in everything yeah. for it, didn't they? But they showed all the demos that were interesting, the face tracking that they had planned and all that. It was really cool, and then they just didn't do it. And they were like, screw it, we're out, and here's can a 3DS. You, can you tell the audience what you traded in towards your DSi? You keep bringing this up because you were there for it. <laughs> I won't. And you do this, it yes. was basically it was like Shadow of the Colossus. I had the Zone of the Ender series, all the Silent Hills, like everything. It was all, all the gone. PS2, and he traded his yeah. PS2 in too. Yep. <laughs> oh my God. Towards yeah. the DSi, <laughs> not the XL. It's just the DSi, right? <laughs> yeah, it was the, when it got released, which we had to freaking buy from Walmart because yeah. they never yeah. actually shipped them to us. That was a fun day. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but I, you know, I think Nintendo's in a in a very weird place right now because they technically have two handheld units on the market, but they don't want to define one as a handheld. They want to define one as a console and one as a handheld when they're both clearly a handheld. So I assume the only way they think they can sell both is by making one way cheaper and one more expensive. Because we saw there was this uh, this graphic that they put out. I guess that was like a survey for Switch users. How old are you? Um, and I think it was like 80% were above the age of 19. So they must think that they can get the younger audience with something that's cheaper and clamshell you know closes something i guess they can get the moms to buy it i assume christmas time there's more kid-friendly games on there than the switch and the switch might be a little it might be a little too much for maybe like a like a six or seven year old as opposed to something like a 2ds but that's all i can assume is that what do you what do you think yeah, about that yeah but or oh. even evan go ahead you can jump uh, in but, but along yeah but along the lines of the the dsi xl becoming mm -hmm. the 3ds like what if this was in the tube for a while? What if they were planning on it and getting it all together and building it? And then someone walked into the boardroom and was like, Switch Mini's coming up in like a year from now. And they already have all these boxes of the 2DS XL and they're just like, screw it, ship it. So sure. it's going to be out there. And then it could happen that half a year from now, they're going to announce like, oh, the, the 3DS stuff is, you know, it's cool. Maybe we'll continue a little bit, but now we want really... The switch to be the handheld. I can, I can see Shane like like I, halfway I, smiling about to say stuff. I just I just hope nothing like that actually happens because then they're the worst company in the world that doesn't know how to run things. Well, when I've I've worked at like large multi-million dollar companies, and everyone in the company had an NDA. Everyone knew what was coming out, and you had to set your projects to 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 make sure that that stuff was going to come out sure. on the release of that product. I, I I've been in that industry and. 
I understand how that works. So if something like that happened where a guy came in and was like, oh, guys, are you going to release the 2DS? You better do it now because, oh, we got the Switch Mini coming out and we can't line up two products against it. Really? Somehow I picture you with a, with a monocle top hat and a cigar when you run into the <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I, like, the 2DS, okay, like I think there's this, uh, if for people that are watching that have seen me on, on, on Twitter, mm -hmm. the 2DS, I'm not, I'm not against the 2DS XL. I think that this product should have come out a long time ago. Yes, if you're yes. going to sit down, if you're going to sit down and you're going to buy a new 3DS or a new 2DS XL, you know what you should be getting? The 2DS XL. And you know why? Because the 3DS, uh, the, a new 3DS costs mm -hmm. more and you don't get an AC adapter with it. Yeah, that's true. You don't get a charge. It's the weirdest thing. I've always said this because we would sell these things at the stores. And then you have to explain to them that your electronic that you just bought for $200 does not come with a charger. So now you have to hand me another $15 to get the charger. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's weird. It's, it's weird. Yeah, I mean, it's still the same charger, obviously, they've used for forever, but it's still weird. Um, it was, it was, I remember the first time when Nintendo did that, it was a really stupid uh, thing. They said, well, obviously, people that bought the original 3DS are going to just be buying this new one and not sell it and keep the AC adapter. Really? That's not how that works. I take the old 3DS and I sell it to a store to help sponsor sure. the purchase of that. So what ends up happening is I get this new 3DS, and now I don't have an AC adapter because there isn't a store on the planet that will take a 3DS without the AC adapter. They'll just look at you like, where did your AC adapter go? <laughs> or then they just cut out the price from your from your, your trading. Right. They basically just buy a, an adapter with your trading credit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, just, it, just, it, it just drove me nuts when they did that. The, the 2DS XL mm -hmm. is a brilliant idea. Should have come out a long time ago. This is a, a fantastic thing. And, and you know what? To be fair, I never turn on that 3D feature. And I Neither think a lot I. of people out there. I don't. Yeah, yeah, day one 3DS turned it off. That yeah. Was yeah, right? It's it just it, it, it tires your eyes out when you're playing games. And I think the 2DS is is a far better concept of that. I could have I, I could imagine the, the, the 3DS line selling so much better at this cheaper entry with the AC adapter built in and everything. And it was just this thing that everybody kind of drove to. Instead, I feel that uh, like the original 2DS uh, sold, I believe they shipped five million units. For was that the, uh, the 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 2DS? Yeah, the original 2DS. Yeah, it was. I think it was actually maybe a little. I think it was like in the. I think it was in the three millions. I think, unless I'm wrong. Okay. Um, so it, it was. It, it wasn't as good as some of their other ones, obviously. Yeah. So it it didn't sell well. So obviously they must have been scared by that. But I don't think people. I don't. I don't think people didn't buy the 2DS because it was a bad product. I think people didn't buy the 2DS because it looked like a cheese wedge. Yeah, I, and you know, what, I do think the shape kind of was off-putting. The screens, the whole point of a, any of these ones they've brought out, the 2DS, the DS, well, the, the DS, 3DS, everything, is that the screens are protected when you close it, so it's safe to give to a child. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but the 2DS, because I've had to repair them, Evan's seen me have to do this, those two screens that are there are actually one screen. It's, yeah, it's one screen. It, those are not two screens. Those, that's one screen wow. that is split with that piece of plastic. So if you break one of them, they're all broken and it's not worth repairing because the screens are like forty dollars because it's both screens. So now you have to go buy another one. Whereas a three DS screen is like sixteen bucks. But I mean, so, it is yeah, it's off putting as the company though yeah. because everyone praised them when they brought back the clamshell design from mm -hmm. the Game and Watch type stuff yep. because it's protective because it's great for travel. And then they're like, here's this thing that it it's gonna break. Enjoy, have fun with it. Yeah. Like they forgot the hinge. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the hinge, while it is not the most durable thing, still at least protects the plastic covered screens because it's all plastic it's not 
it's not glass. Like the switch is plastic. It's not glass. So it, it does scratch easily, but it at least doesn't crack, I guess. But I, I will say I, I do need to put over the look of the 2DS XL because I think it is probably the best looking handheld Nintendo's made so far if I had to really go out on a limb with that, especially in the last, I'd say, 10 years. It's a very nice looking system overall. Um, I like the color scheme and I do like the kind of that top texture look to it. So at least that looks better. I'll say that. Could I ask one thing about its design? And maybe somebody that's that's in the chat might be able to answer this. Mm-hmm. Why is there a 3D camera on it that has like it's got the, the yep. 3D pictures? It's, um, I, I I think if I had to guess, I it might have something to do with their augmented reality system. If I had to take a guess, because they still want that to work, or yeah, because it needs compatibility to, across. It needs to be able to determine depth to do certain things. Because yeah, the likely. 2DS still had those those two lenses on the back, if you remember that. Because technically, the Kinect is two cameras, right? It was like two mini ones next to the one. It was something like that. I do remember the the Kinect was yeah. just weird on its own. But the, that's it was either that or compatibility, because it technically can't take 3D pictures, but it still has two lenses on the back. Um, that's all I can assume. Or that makes sense, yeah. actually. That makes sense. Yeah. Now, like, I never even thought about that. That because I never, I never use the AR functions on sure, the cards yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. That, that seems yeah. to be. If you go with all the people in VR, apparently augmented reality is like the future past VR. It's like next gen VR, but the the stuff they use obviously there is not anything like that. It's like look at this card and something pops out of it, or look in the world and there's stuff there. So um, still pretty cool though. Oh no, it's a cool, it's a cool function. Obviously, something like that worked well in Pokemon Go because it's you know it was it was like a drug to everyone, so um, <laughs> that worked well. Obviously, but uh, that that's what we can assume there. Now, um, oh Philip, we pretty much shut you out, man. Did you do you have any other thoughts on the 2DS XL? <laughs> um, you know, I think Shane hit a lot of the right points. You know, I think he he knows what he's talking about, um, and I agree with a lot of it. So. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I also agree with you in that I think it looks really sleek. I think it looks really, um, it's one of their best looking handhelds, but I also see the similarities in, in sort of the direction they're going too with their with their handhelds. I think it looks similar, like the blue um, that we're getting in the US kind of reminds me of the neon blue um, sure. from the, you know, Switch controllers or whatever. Um, yeah. But I'm just curious to see like, you know, how many people out there, like I don't think anybody out there, if they had a choice, to go with like the 2DS XL versus the Switch. I don't think they would personally choose the 2DS XL over the Switch, but I do think that it'll cause a lot of confusion for like parents um, and stuff like that in the future, you know. Um, I have to say though, usually parents at Christmas time tend to go for uh, quantity over quality. This just tends to because obviously more stuff under the tree. So if you get something that's $150 like that and then you can get, I don't know, four more games for like the price of what you would get for the Switch, like four top tier games, not like the lower ones, like get a Pokemon, a Mario. That might be more enticing to adults who are buying for their, like I said, eight-year-old kids. But I do think though, if you are you know, over the age of, I don't know, 16 or whatever their charts say, you want a Switch and you don't want a 2DS XL if you had to take it a pick obviously right um, absolutely so and also too yeah like if parents you know like if they have two kids for instance two eight-year-olds they could get to them two 2ds xls yeah. versus one yep. switch they don't have to share it they don't have to worry about fighting whatever a lot more choice on the 3ds line too a lot more choice in terms of games the library is amazing exactly mm-hmm. so yep. very good um so let's yeah. uh let's jump from there and let's jump over to the nintendo switch since we were just talking about it we're going to go through the switch and then of course the ps4 because both of those reports came out the switch which has apparently sold more than what a lot of people were thinking it sold. 
overall on the turn in its first 28 days in March. Apparently, it's at least shipped. Now, their wording is kind of weird in their fiscal report. I was going through it and reading it to make sure. It's a little weird. Um, it seems like the 2.74 million are shipped and not necessarily sold through to consumers. It's very hard for them to tell um, leading right. up to March 30th. How you know? How would you know those are actually sold through to customers? You know what you've shipped though. So we know that 2.74 million have left their factories. You know, at by the end of March, which by the way they're selling, we can pretty much understand these have probably sold by now. Um, the 2.74 million, which is up from their original 2 million promise, is pretty. That's a pretty good launch, I, I think. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that, but I think um, they are in a really good spot right now with their Nintendo Switch system. It's record breaking for sure. I mean, uh, you're 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 actually quite right. It is shipped, which That's is important to like. I, I I read I read it as well because every time you see one of those uh, random websites talk about sales, they go two point seven was sold. It's like yeah, yeah random random dude. Yeah. Kotaku, Polygon. They, I I had to read through their articles, check. They say those are sold numbers, and I had to say in my video these are shipped numbers. Yeah. They're it's still good, but those are shipped. So keep that keep yeah. that in mind. Yep. Yeah, go go on. Sorry. Shipped. Uh, so like basically the way it works is when you when you have it shipped, you're shipping to like stores and everything, and we, we know they're selling out, right? So yep. mm -hmm. we assume that that means it's it's sell through, but we don't know that. We all we know is that they've shipped. Which by the way, that's a big deal. Being able to ship that many that mm -hmm. quick is a record breaking thing for Nintendo to begin with, and we know within the first month or two or three that they're probably going to keep selling through them all the way through. So that's a big deal. What, what, what interests me, though, is originally they said they were only going to ship 2 million out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yep. how did they change that? Why did they change that? And well, There's a couple things. I, I, I think um, not to, I think there's a couple ways they could have done this. One, they told us, what was it, like the beginning of the month that they were going to, beginning of March, that they were going to up production quickly. Um, and then the NES gets discontinued. The NES Classic, which they had, they had to have planned that out months ago like when it was going to be or at least a month ago at least when it was going to be discontinued because i don't think they walk in the boardroom and just cut it down and then the factory line stops with all these extra parts they know that it's coming to an end really that's the only other thing i could think of they must have or just rented out more factory space i mean that's that's all i can assume <laughs> but i mean they, they did it so there's that you don't lie to your investors at this point so we know they at least did two point it's not like we're reading off of media creates or MPD and hoping they're right. It's straight up from their, to the investors. So that's a good question. How they would have done that. Uh, more factory space. That's, that's all I can assume. I mean, they even say with their NES classic, we're looking towards the future and what's going to do better for us, which I've told people several times, NES classic, there's not a big future for that system because you're not selling games. You're barely selling accessories. You're not selling expensive accessories. I mean, with an $80 pair of joy cons compared to a, a $10 NES controller, you know, what's going to make Nintendo more money there, you know, and it's the games, the upsell value, the licensing, none of that exists in bulk on the NES Classic. So it makes sense to get rid of that and maybe open up more floor space for switches being pumped out at extreme rates. That, again, that's all. Well, now we know they were doing the CDS at the same time. So it's like yeah. they, yeah. they had all that planned at that's, the same time. So yeah. Yep, more 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 upsell value there too compared to the NES Classic. So a lot of it makes sense to to kick the NES Classic out at this time. Of course, we didn't know about the 2DS XL when they can't when they canceled it. We had to wait what a week and a half or so to two weeks to figure that out. But it, it makes sense because the NES Classic may was good for brand awareness and I think even promotion of their brand leading up to the Switch launch before they had to kick that out. Um, so that makes sense. But uh, were you, did you have more stuff you wanted to say, Shane, about the about the launch numbers for the Switch before I? Cut you off. Well, I'm second. excited to see that they're that big, actually. I because everyone was expecting two million. Like that was the idea there. That that's how much they're gonna go. So to see more 
to see to see more than what everyone was expecting is gonna is great news. And I'm really hoping that they're able to keep that consistency going because we we're now going into uncharted waters, right? Like the farther third we month, go out there, third month, yep. yeah, third month is is, third is, month is that a was a deal. downer for the Wii U. Um, they're very fortunate right now to have Mario Kart. Very fortunate they yes. they did not have this with the Wii U, um, and that's going to help because Mario Kart. As much as people don't want to tell me tell me it doesn't sell, Mario Kart had probably one of the biggest attach rates next to what we know as Zelda, obviously now, which somehow had over 100% attach rate. Uh, I, I don't know how that's even possible, but um, Mario so, Kart sold 8 million on a unit like the Wii U that had 13 million people. So Mario Kart is strong. But what were you saying, Shane? Sorry. Well, the uh, the Zelda 100% attach, like 110, 105% attach rate. It's ridiculous, yeah. It, it, it is crazy. Uh, as far as I'm to understand, it's, it's not only the Wii U version, right? It's actually people that bought the Switch version bought like the special edition. Yep. Kept yep. it there, then bought another version for them to play. Now, I think that, and I, I don't really want to make this like kind of prediction uh, this way, but when you have a hundred percent sell rate, mm -hmm. uh, that means that whatever, whenever, when anybody buys, a, so when anyone buys a Switch, they mm -hmm. buy that Zelda game. That means yes. when that Zelda game gets to its peak in sales, then the interest of the entire console itself is probably going to fall through. Because it's just one to one. People are now buying this console to play that specific game, so that's the attachment to that system. Once you've re reached the top of the best-selling Zelda game, that's like eight point four million or something like that. I think that's yeah. Uh, Twilight yeah, it, it, it's it's high, yeah. Yeah. So once you've hit that eight point four million, then you have to start relying on other, and maybe maybe it sells more than that. Let's just say ten million. Sure. You know, it, it keeps selling more. Uh, but once you hit that ceiling, then you need to start focusing on other games that bring people in. So you've got Splatoon 2, you got Mario Kart, and there's a lot of people out there that are rebuying Mario Kart having bought it on the Wii U, and there's a whole bunch of people like, uh, uh, Philip, you said that you skipped out on the Wii U version, and yeah. uh, you're going to get, yeah. And I, honestly, I think a lot of people that skipped on the Wii U version, this is a great way to play it because it's now a portable video game uh, version yep. of this amazing game that runs even better than it did. Yeah, yeah. and everything's a unlocked, bunch of you don't have to spend time unlocking stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's like a, a, lot, a lot there that, that can happen, but without that third party support, you know, without without any of that really coming into its own, I think that the Switch is going to struggle as as we go farther out with games that, I mean, I, I've played Splatoon 2 way early on and, and I, I didn't get to play too much of it, but what I played of it reminded me exactly like Splatoon 1. What I played in Mario Kart was exactly like the older Mario Kart and those Wii U buyers that are coming in they already know what they're going to get, and maybe some new people are going to come in and get some new stuff. But I think, mm -hmm. largely, unless they start seeing like uh, Grand Theft Auto V or Red Dead Redemption Two or Call of Duty, you're going to start to see people not flocking to the system. And maybe the first year might be okay, mm -hmm. but after that time period, you know, they they said they're going to be announcing a whole bunch of new games because they said right. that they have games in development. But I don't care what Nintendo has in development, totally. What I care more about is who they're working with to get more games on their system. That's fair. Yeah, I'll be curious because GTA V can run fine on the Switch. I'll be very curious to see if they bring that over and work with Rockstar because that's been a very rocky relationship, which is odd because Nintendo was all for things like Manhunt 2 to come over to the Wii, and then we really haven't seen a lot of work done with them really since then, really. I mean, GTA V is still ridiculous on the charts whenever it comes to selling, and I mean, GTA V on the Switch, I I don't know about anyone else, but I would play through that game again on the Switch. Or if I didn't have a Switch and I was a Nintendo fan, I would go get the Switch for GTA V. So it is, it is a really good game, and if you can play it portably, that kind of opens some doors on, on the game itself.
you know? So I would, I think that would be good for the Switch. And I was a little shocked to see something like Payday 2 get announced. And I, I feel like more announcements like that may follow at E3, but I at least want to give Nintendo E3 before I say, you know, they need, they need third start third-party support now because we all know e3 is like there's games being announced like a mile a minute on there well that's the reason why i think we need to hear here kind of happening now is just simply because by e3 if they announce new games we might not see those games for another year another two years in advance we needed to start hearing these announcements of third-party games support mm-hmm. earlier on we needed like when they announced Red Dead redemption 2 it said future nintendo console underneath it or something like that we right. needed those announcements they could be coming out uh, with these amazing Nintendo games because sure. I don't think anyone can disagree. The Wii U had one of the best. I, I would I would argue the best first party games of all the systems that came out last generation. Or I would say so. They had some really generation. good ones. Yeah, yeah. No, I would yeah, say so. Yeah. They, they had some great games. I mean, I was a big at the time. I will say this. Um, are we talking about PS4, Xbox? Because the Wii U kind of falls in that weird. You know, time say, period. I say PS4, Xbox One, yeah. PS4, Xbox One, okay, yeah. So, yeah, I would say so too. Looking down and up and down the line, those are the PS4 and the Xbox One is a weird generation where games are almost changing sides. You know, timed exclusives here, timed exclusives there. The PS4 just recently started picking up games as PS4 games, you know, with Neo and Nier and all these games coming out specifically for the PS4 first, we assume, or maybe all together. But let me um let me jump over to Philip about the sales. Uh, did you get a chance to look at some of the sales numbers and stuff, Philip? Yeah. Um. Okay. I mean, two point seven million. That's that's huge. And mm-hmm. I actually didn't know that it was also ship numbers, but that does make sense. But I also think that I mean, it's so obviously it's almost impossible to find a switch anywhere you look. It is. I will say, um, the other day when Mario Kart came out, um, I were I was getting a lot of reports about Best Buys having. 20 to 30 of them. I didn't go out and check myself, but there were a lot of people posting and taking pictures on Twitter of their local Best Buy having several yeah. of them, but they sold out. So On Thursday, um, actually, for the charity stream, went out to get a bunch of gear that ended up completely failing on me anyway. Oh. Um, but um, I went, uh, I got a bunch of, like a, a camera that ended up not working. That's a whole nother story for a different camera. Podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I set it up all on my PC and then had to like five minutes before I went on switch back to my MacBook Pro to stream. Oh, was it a webcam? Yeah, it was oh, terrible. Okay. It was a webcam and it was a lot more problems than that. True. But um, I was at Best Buy and I saw like when I went to go pay for my stuff, I saw like literally what looked like at least 25 to 30 switches back there. And I'm like, are those for sale? And the guy's like, oh, uh, tomorrow. Uh, you can grab a ticket and then go wait in that line outside. Mm-hmm. And there was literally like already, and, and this was like right before they closed, I think at 830 or something like that at night, there's already like 10 people waiting outside, you know, with tickets. So, I mean, the demand is still there, you know, like people are really still excited about it. So I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly think that, um, mm-hmm. that uh, it's selling well. And I think that What's the uh like? I mean, it's obviously not gonna beat the PS4 in as far as console sales are concerned. Not not lifetime in Japan. Right. The Switch will beat the PS4 in Japan. That's I don't think anyone's doubting that with the numbers that are going up right now. And the PS4 has kind of slowed almost not to a crawl, but definitely like a a slow jog if you want to give it that kind of analogy in Japan. Um, and the other problem is in Japan they have pretty much started to give up on the traditional home console where they are sitting in their living room playing you know a system uh, whereas the switch is 
definitely built for Japan first and then the rest of the world second because they are all about portability in Japan. And I do think it will beat it there. I don't know if it'll ever reach it lifetime because the PS4 right now, we're all trying to figure out if it's going to get the PS2 numbers, which it won't. But that's what we're trying to figure out now. And if you're ever comparing yourself to PS2 numbers, you're doing really well. I mean, obviously, 155 <laughs> million sold is, is yeah. insane. But we'll never be at that time period again where tablets, cell phones, all these other other forms of media existed. And the PS2 really was in a good time at a good place, giving people the ability to do DVDs, but still not costing Sony an arm and a leg like the PS3 did. So it's, it's just not, I just don't see the sales getting there. I do think though, it will pass the Wii U very quickly. And you might be surprised because 2.74 million in their first 28 days is a little too close, I think, for Microsoft for their first month and a half with the xbox one in holiday numbers yeah. which was three million so keep that in mind ps4 was 4.2 million by the way first month and a half during holiday season i have no idea how you can release a console right now and get to those numbers that nintendo is it's 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 hard to believe I'll right and i'm sure that you know third parties um to go off of what shane was talking about earlier as far as third party interest is concerned i think that it's going to be really hard for them to ignore that you know and i do think that we will see a lot you know and i've said this plenty of times before but i really truly believe that we will see a lot of uh mm -hmm. great announcements coming from other third parties like we know now that nintendo isn't really going to have um a stage or a big showing at e3 they announced is that what they said so, like, you know, mm -hmm. possibly we'll see on the Ubisoft stage and when they announce the new Assassin's Creed that's going to be announced, like, you know, they'll have the little Switch logo right there quietly about it, you know? So, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm just, or I mean, obviously, there'll be a bigger deal made about it, but I do think that third-party interest is coming. I do think we're going to see it on the stages of other third parties more so than on Nintendo stages, stage there themselves for whatever they do with their announcements. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to save that stuff for the Metroid or whatever, um, sure, sure. Or Luigi Mansion or whatever it is that, you know, we want to see virtual console, obviously. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, I'm really excited about it and it's great to see that so much interest is coming back into, uh, Nintendo system so much so mm -hmm. that they're confident mm -hmm. enough to bring out another system right after, you know, like their switch is selling mm -hmm. so well, you know, mm -hmm. brave enough to do something like that, which I don't think any other one of these companies like Sony, or Microsoft would be willing to do something like that. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if we saw something like, you know, the SNES mini coming out later this year as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and maybe that'll be even crazier. Like maybe they'll try and do outdo themselves and in order to avoid something like what the problem was with the NES, they'll be able to make that something like a little virtual console system where you'll just be able to have virtual console on that. Like it's a little Roku or I mean, a, a little Amazon or something like that, sure. Apple TV, who knows? I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised um, to see anything come from Nintendo Evan, at this I wanna, point. I want to um, give you a chance, Evan, to weigh in on the, the Switch sales. Um, I, your, I mean, the, your thoughts there. Not, I mean, most most of the overall thoughts have already been stated. It's, huh? it's sales numbers. It's shipping numbers. It's something we're used to, I guess, from you and me being part of a store. But, yeah, the numbers were impressive for the non-holiday. Uh -huh, so that's uh -huh. pretty cool. Uh, but, again, it is uh, game-driven as was stated. So we'll have to see what happens after E3, really, to see if it keeps going. I mean, E3 is basically key. It, it is. It is. Uh, let me stand up for this. I was like one of the only people that was like big on YouTube about this. Can we all please stop saying that Nintendo is artificially shorting Switches now? Can we do that, please? Thank you. I, you guys would not believe how many emails I got after that video. 
went like semi-viral. I got so many emails telling me I was an idiot. So, um, but I, I do think Nintendo's in an interesting place. It's definitely so the the president also said that they think it's going to do Wii numbers. Uh, no, yes. probably not because that that time period will never exist. Like I said before, grandmothers are not going to buy the Switch, but it's definitely going to do more than the Wii U. I think everyone at this point can make a safe conservative prediction that yes it will pass the wii u uh, i don't think that's hard to believe i'll say that yeah so but, uh, things, and i i remember reading that when he said he, oh yeah we're gonna surpass wii i was like yeah you're insane that's not happening i, I mean, will say what? though you need My... confidence in business so i understand why you would say something like that you're not going to tell your investors that you're shooting for a low bar obviously you're going to say we're going for the moon yeah. you know for this thing. but that's that's pretty because i mean i was just like man my grandmother owned one my mom owned one my sister sure. owned one my mother-in-law owned one everybody owned a Wii. and my mom when i showed her the switch and she saw it she was like i want to buy one and i i, I said uh yeah, what do you want to do on it? She said, I just want to use it for Facebook. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen with this. And, and she's like, well, how about, how about Netflix? And I said, no. How about YouTube? I said, no. And then she was like, well, what can you do with it? And I said, well, there's this game where you can rock a baby to sleep. Because she's not going to play Zelda. But, you know, it's like it was just one of those things. I just, I just didn't see that happening. You know, Funny enough, with the PlayStation Four um, mm -hmm. being where it is and all that, I, 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 it, it's so crazy that their their, traje their trajectory is like going. Can close I can I introduce that? Can I introduce that oh, topic yeah, real quick? That was oh, next. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, so uh, what which, which Shane was alluding to is. The PS4's financial reports came in as well. Well, Sony's did as a, a total as a company. Um, their overall stuff was good. Their overall position as a company was good. The PlayStation 4 is the big bright spot in their company right now, whereas things like their cell phones are on the decline. The PlayStation 4 continues to do well and pretty much increase year over year for the most part. And they turned in a report saying that 60 million PS4s have now shipped. Again, that's shipped numbers. They, it's really hard to track. Uh, really sold through towards the end of those financial reports. They always say shipped just to be safe. Um, but they're also looking to get to 78 million by the end of next year's March. So that would be, uh, that would be very, very good, I guess, but that would be really, I think that's tough because they are getting to a point now where they are calling this the harvest period. And what that means is they are expecting a decline on their PS4, but they want to now basically reap the rewards of having what would be 78 million units out there through licensing fees, accessories, and of course their PlayStation network. Um, before we move on though, I want to say if you guys, anyone who's just joined us, the Halo Wars controller is down there. You can sign up and enter into the competition. A winner will be announced before we go off air. That's right down there. All you got to do is go down there, click, and you can be entered in. Shane, let me jump over to you now because you were just talking about the PS4. So go ahead. You can jump back over here. I just wanted to uh, introduce the topic. Well, the uh, the PS2, uh, the PlayStation 4 is trying to go on the mm -hmm. same trajectory as the PlayStation. Mm -hmm. I saw that, um, yep. Yeah, and it, it's it's pretty crazy to see that they're trying to line up that close, and they're 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 getting close, but they're not passing the PS2. But it's it's crazy to see how they're doing that, and I know that they released the PlayStation 4 Pro as a way to kind of spark those sales up and, and push more interest there. But I think yeah. I don't I don't think that's going to have the, the 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 thing they want to be because I, I just don't think 4K really has that same kind of impact. It, it doesn't. And, it doesn't. Yeah. And, and Philip, you're mentioning that um, when 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 developers start to see more people on the on the Switch, and I think they're going to see a lot of people get the Switch. The, uh, developers are just going to run out and and want to support it. But I, I 
Honestly, I don't know if that's going to happen. Because if you're developing a game right now, and you develop something for the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, you're developing it, developing it with that hardware in mind, you have to drastically reduce that game to make it run on the Switch. In some cases, right, we're, we're going to see cross-platform stuff happen where they mm-hmm. can do things the, the same way, but the Switch is not... It, 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 it is a home console and a portable mm-hmm. system all at the same time. It can do both, but it simply is not the same level of the PlayStation 4. I will now say that, that varies, varies a little bit. Did you see some of the game comparisons they've been releasing recently, like on Digital Foundry and other places where they, just as an example, they compared like Lego City Undercover and uh, the Switch version was pretty much right alongside the PS4 version with yeah, differences here and there. Club. But, but the, the game is fucking old. What's that? It is, but the PS4 <laughs> version and the Xbox One version don't run 60 frames all the time. They run at a native 1080p alongside there. And it, like games like Snake Bass that run on Unreal Engine 4 don't technically run at 1080p on the Xbox One or the PS4. They run sub-1080p along with the Switch version, which is, which is similar. I think visuals will be tough, but I think at this point, things like AI and computations will be pretty much the same across the board, just based on the extremely weak CPUs that are in the PS4 and the Xbox One right now. Do you think the Switch would be able to run Horizon Zero Dawn? No, it would not be able to run Horizon Zero Dawn. One, for space constraints, I think, at that point, just because you would be shipping a game that is roughly, what, that game, how much is that installed to the PS4? 40 gigs? 50 gigs? It's it's I I know the x86 compression is not the best, so that's why I'm, I'm assuming it's up there somewhere. Um, and overall, I I think it would be tough for that to run. I I wouldn't expect it to run that to be honest. But I do know other open world games for computations for AI and even draw distance for the open world. It's possible, but it it there would be a lot that would have to be dropped. Resolution would be heavily dropped. Um, but the open world would be able to be drawn with the Tegra with the Tegra X1. That is possible. Oh no doubt. It, it's just I think that I think that what's going on right now is I, I have this sneaking suspicion that Sony and Microsoft are not releasing the Scorpio and the PlayStation 4 mm-hmm. Pro to attach to the 4K market. I think they're doing it in a way to get developers some future-proofing abilities for their games to be capable to be running in 4K so that when 4K becomes more of a standard, you have all these games that already run there. So these developers are making games now with that concept and ideology that 4K is this achievable thing that they can work on now, making it even less of a thing that is a game that can be shrunk down to work on the Switch in many instances. It's not that I don't think the Switch can't run, you know, every single game, because there's going to be a couple there. For instance, Puyo Puyo Tetris. Mm -hmm. By the way, if you're going to get that game, you get it on the Switch. You got two built-in playable controllers. Yeah, you can put the ones on the mm-hmm. portable game. Get I mean, it, it physically. <laughs> I mean, it's, it just, it's cheaper on the PlayStation 4, but it just makes more sense to me to get something like that on the Switch just because it's Tetris, and I want to play Tetris on the go. Yeah. I blame Nintendo for that with Tetris on the Game Boy, but <laughs> yeah. what can I do? It, it, you know, it, that's what it is. A lot of double I just, A's. I see, oh, a ton of double A's. Funny, not as many double A's as the game here would have run me, but the, no, the but problem I, 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 I find. <laughs> yeah, right. I just, I just find that uh, what we're seeing right now is the further we go out, the more the games are are becoming more demanding and more and and more needy of system resources, and the Switch is simply not in the same regard. And then we haven't seen its online features. I mean, you guys were just talking about how Mario Kart Eight. Uh, Deluxe has like bad online to an extent where you can't really connect with people or chat with people, voice mm-hmm. over, voice chat and all that stuff. You can't create parties, and those things are are fundamentals to many of the online games we see now. Sure. So, 
that that sucks. I I I know that they're gonna get one of the FIFA games on Switch, mm-hmm. but I'll be damned if anyone's gonna be buying the Switch version over the PlayStation Four version when they can play it with their friends. Even and I I've heard I, I had one friend who lives in the UK, huge mm-hmm. FIFA fan, told me it's gonna be awesome. I get to take my uh, FIFA and sure. take it uh, to my office, and I get to play at my office, and then when I go home, I can sit there and play with my friends. And then I, I woke him up to the rude reality. I was like, how many of your friends actually own a, a Switch? And he went, mm-hmm. oh. Yeah, that could that right? could change by Christmas time, for all we know. And it FIFA could, it could. Rounds. It's but they're not going to beat the PlayStation 4 in that. Like, for now, if you're playing third party, you're playing those yeah. games, that's yeah, the no, reason definitely. to do it. Yeah. Shane, yeah. Um, I, I would want to argue real quick. Um, do it. Just wanted to tell you, or just wanted, yeah, just wanted to say. Um, <laughs> Go nuts, um, No, um, but as far as third-party um, sort of interest for the Switch, I, w- I just wanted to kind of run back to that and just, like, say that Square Enix has kind of, like, run out and said that they were focusing more support on the Switch, right, rather than console support for, like, or other consoles like PS4 and obviously not really so much the Xbox 360. So, like, we're kind of seeing the beginning of, of something happening here with with third parties and Square Enix, I don't think is a, is a third party to be reckoned with or to take for granted. You know, with titles like Final Fantasy and stuff like that. So if we start seeing like what um, Spawn Wave had said, you know, in the last Spawncast, one of his E3 predictions, Kingdom Hearts three coming to the Switch, if something like that happens, I mean, I, I think that that's going to really sort of raise the bar as to what this the interest of the switch will be and sort of what people's mentality of what the switch is as far as its power or i mean comparing it to something like the ps4 because why would they buy something like kingdom hearts 3 on the ps4 when they could have it um on the switch that's you know they can take on the go as well and you can say you can make the argument and say like oh yeah well i'll have like you know 4k support on my ps4 um, I, I totally understand what you mean. Yeah. But then, like, there's there's a convenience factor here that I think a lot of people these days, when they play a game like Horizon, kind of there's a small voice in the back of their head that says, "Man, this this would be so awesome on the Switch." Ran to that oh, same yeah. persona, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I think that maybe maybe it won't happen this generation for the Switch. Maybe the Switch One isn't the one that like you know punches Nintendo back to the top everywhere, and they take you know take us all over. And win the console war or whatever. <laughs> but um, you don't have to be the strongest console to win the console war. I think exactly. the that's, that's Nintendo's uh, like that's on the Nintendo seal, man. Like yeah, like that portability factor is is crazy. Like you know, I would have never in a million years thought I'd be playing a Zelda game in a hotel room uh, on a trip. Like I never thought you would do that unless I was hooking up some TV. And when you stay at a lot of hotels, you know those TVs aren't like not always the most capable of things. So it's crazy to be able to do that. I mean, even even when I was reviewing the Switch before it had come out, and I, and I had that review unit, I was capable of going anywhere and playing the Switch, and that was a really awesome thing. And I honestly think that, and I, I think you're right. If third-party developers get on board with the Switch, their games no longer become restricted to the home; they they become restricted to wherever the player wants to play them. And I think that's going to be a huge, huge get for them. So right. I can go out to a soccer field and play FIFA. <laughs> uh, not not actually play soccer, but I'll play FIFA instead. <laughs> um, uh, Evan, I, I saw you were trying to chime in there, and uh, you well, I mean, overrun a little yeah. bit. I'll just give you a chance to speak there. Well, it, both the arguments were made. I guess Shane was talking about the multiplayer issue mm-hmm. with 
the Switch itself, and that's going to cause problems with people who prefer multiplayer. But then to bring up Square Enix as like the powerhouse behind the Switch, Square Enix is mostly exclusively a single player company, which I get. It's and to but for them to focus on single player with mobility, it's almost weird because you almost hope that they'd have more focus on multiplayer and mobility at the same time. Because then when you start running into people with other Switches, that's when you get to have like the fun of almost the ad hoc stuff that we used to enjoy on the 3DS and such. No, that's cool. The ad hoc feature is really neat. But I think um, I think right now people are going to be surprised with how fast uh, ARM and Tegra start to really evolve. It's going to be interesting because they've already announced Volta coming up soon. I know that's going to make it into some sort of SOC or Tegra, for example. And now that NVIDIA has a place, because I don't know if you guys have been, I've been following the Tegra for a long time uh, because it's a very interesting piece of technology, mostly because NVIDIA is doing everything they can to get the most out of 15 watts of power that they can. I mean, this thing does not pull much power, but you can see stuff that it can do, obviously, with the Switch. Um, There was a really cool tech demo they showed a year ago where they were first pitching it, and it was playing Crisis 3 at high settings, 1080p, of course, in a controlled environment, but it was playing it very well, actually. I think it was like 30 frames a second, which is pretty good for a chip that pulls that kind of wattage. I think you're going to see things like Volta come up. They will eventually make a jump to higher speed bigger bandwidth memory and i do see things like 1080p and 4k becoming a reality eventually but i mean right now the ps4 pro is upscaling um and like shane has alluded to the 4k market is not attaching well right now i mean really a lot of people go to the store and just buy either the cheapest tv they can find or the most affordable one they can and 4k is still not quite there uh with hdr with with 120 240 hertz whatever it is now it's just not there yet so i do think there's a long ladder for nintendo to climb with these tegra chips and i think they're going to try to get as much as they can out of this tegra x1 maybe the x2 and just increase battery life and get that extra bandwidth they do out of the memory then because they get 128 bit bandwidth i believe instead of 64 bit but that is really it's going to be a while for volta and, and even the next generation to be put into a tegra and get to the point where they can battle the ps4 and the xbox one or the ps5 and xbox two i don't know what they go from there but um realistically it's going to be a little while but again that portability factor and that convenience really helps i think put it over the top for certain third-party games that you don't mind playing with you know 1080p or 900p or 720p if needed um that's the I big thing <laughs> oh i mean i i can't i can't go against it. i i just gotta play that game on switch it's i played it on switch a couple days ago and i played it four months earlier on playstation 4 on like the japanese version of that game and i fell in love with the japanese version of that game and i was thinking man if i could just have this portable and then when they announced it was coming to switch i was like done that's it that's is that, that's is this Pui, are you talking about Pui Pui tetris yeah Pui Pui tetris did you play it did you just play mean b machine back in the day Dr. Robotics. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, did. That's, that's I how I used never, to play that all the time. You yeah. lost like two days at work playing that. <laughs> well, the last boss just holds the down button the entire time, so you lose every time. <laughs> um, but and uh, Oh, yeah, okay, so into the next uh, awesome topic, which this is very funny. This is actually really interesting. So the PS5 apparently is coming in late 2018 based on an analyst who successfully predicted when the PS4 was coming out and when the PS4 Pro was coming out, years and times and everything. So now people are starting to believe that the PS5 is coming in late 2018, which to me does not make a lot of sense, but I will move over to Shane and, and, and ask him about this first. You know, I want, I want to hear what the other guys have to say about this first because I will go off on a rant on this one. So let's just let's <laughs> hear what everybody else has to say. 
Let me go over to oh. Philip. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. 2018. I don't know. That's just way too early in my book. I I can't see Sony doing something like that. The PS4 Pro just came out. Um. And I I still feel like there's 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 time. You know, like they still have a, a huge library to expand on here. You know what I mean? There's still more time for games to come. Like we're still waiting on Last of Us 2. Like there's so there's so many things that they can do with this console and like PSVR or whatever is still growing on that platform as well. So I don't know, like, I just think that 2018 for the PS5 would just be ridiculous. And like, what would they really have to bring with it at that point? And what would they really be competing against? You know, they, they'd be almost cannibalizing their own sales of PS4. And like, what would, what would um, the, you know, everyone who just bought a PS4 pro and PS4 like be saying, you know, like, or PS4 slim, like what would, you know, how would they be, or how would they feel like knowing that, you know, Sony just released the PS5 and now they have to go and buy that thing in order to keep up with the most current Sony release titles or first party titles. Like it would be a huge backlash, I think. And and I think that um that guy is is out of his mind, frankly. So <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Evan? Yeah, what do you yeah. think, Evan? I mean, the console cycles have definitely expanded. Like, the technology isn't exactly going up in leaps and bounds anymore. So, like, why would they... Like, what do they gain from going to the PS5? Like, it's not... It's not like the comparison between, like, I guess almost less than two decades between, like, the NES and the uh, the Wii itself. So, like, you're not getting that jump anymore. There's no reason to really go that far. Not two decades, but three. But, uh... So why like there's no reason it shouldn't be a it shouldn't be going up at least like I don't know why you'd predict going up in power or anything it would probably be more of a horizontal move into maybe it does something else or something different still just does all the PS4 stuff maybe focuses a little more on like something media centric beyond what it does now but mm-hmm. never up at this point especially not at this point you got to wait to see what happens next. Okay, all right, Shane, what were uh you you could do uh. Do your thing. <laughs> okay, so first off, the PlayStation 5 coming out in 2018 only happens if the actual Xbox Scorpio system that comes out happens to be a success. It's the only way that this happens. I don't believe the Xbox Scorpio is going to be success uh, in the way that Microsoft hopes it's going to be. I believe it's going to be a success for their hardcore gaming audience that they want to achieve uh, a great following with. I think that's why the Scorpio's coming out for Microsoft. I believe that's why they want to do this. I think that attaching uh, their games to 4K resolutions is simply a future-proofing concept. The PlayStation 4 Pro, as it stands, currently as it is, is a pretty decent system, but it is checkerboard resolution. So it's checkerboarding the games. It's a top-scale them to 4K. It's not true actual 4K. However... If Sony was smart this entire time, these games have been actually developed so they can utilize 4K when it does come out. So if the PlayStation 5 actually did become a thing, it would be a console that comes out silently that just replaces the PlayStation 4 and is capable of running everything that the PlayStation 4 runs just now at 4K. Mm -hmm. I know that a while ago um, people were talking about incremental updates to systems. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the future. You're now living in it. PlayStation 4 Pro is just an incremental update to the PlayStation 4. The Scorpio is just an incremental update to the Xbox One S, which is already an incremental update to the Xbox One. We're seeing slow movements up towards better and better hardware. Because of how Nintendo is treating the Switch, I honestly think that they're going to be releasing newer and better versions of the Switch to compete with the mobile market because, honestly, Nintendo doesn't win against cell phones. When no, I, I, went to, I went to a high school recently, there was one Switch, a teacher owned it, 
uh, he was letting people play it there. I didn't see anyone with a 3DS. I didn't see anyone with a 2DS. I didn't see anyone with anything except for cell phones. And boy, did they have cell phones. Everybody had a cell phone. Everyone there was playing games on that. Mm -hmm. And that is what the big deal is. Why do you Nintendo's think Mario Run came out? Yeah, right? <laughs> Nintendo's greatest competition. And it's like I'm a, I'm a traditional gamer that likes, you know, buttons and, and D-pads and joysticks. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that make those really good arcade experiences and modern games very fun to play. But a lot of kids are just being okay with playing Minecraft on a touchscreen. And that stuff is becoming far more important for the gaming market, that kind of digital direct stuff where you buy a cell phone, you get those kind of games. The Switch is going to do those incremental updates. I think that's what they're going to do. If Nintendo doesn't do that, they're done. Simple as okay. that. If we don't if we don't hear like the, the 2DS is a mistake to be releasing at this point because they're actually making their own breeding their own kind of competition, which is just not the way to go about that. Mm -hmm. So they need the Switch to be their 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 message. This is our iPad. This is our iPhone. Kids, if you want to play the best video games, don't even look at the iPhone. You got to be playing with Nintendo. That's what they should be doing. And every time they release or focus on the 3DS line and try to keep that thing alive, I mean, the best thing that happens is, oh, look, the 3DS is doing so much better now. It's actually increasing sales year over year. Good. Now what happens to the Switch? Right. We're going to kill it. This, isn't, this, is, this is basic logic. You sell one thing more than the other, then people aren't going to be that interested in buying that other thing. People don't go out and buy two mobile video game devices to play back-to-back. That doesn't happen. Like most people out there right now are only buying PlayStation 4 and not Xbox One. Mm. We're not seeing like 60 million PlayStation 4s and 60 million Xbox Ones. We're seeing, what, 30 million Xbox Ones and 60 million PlayStation 4s? Yep. It's a huge gap. And I think with the PlayStation 5, if that concept even happens, it's because uh, they're pushing 4K and they're trying to just evolve this concept in incrementally. And if Nintendo sees any success, it's because of this focus on the mobile market that, honestly, I don't think anyone else is ever going to get to uh, from Microsoft or Sony because they don't want to compete in the cell phone race. Sony did at one point with their Ericsson phones. I don't even think they're going to go back with that. Microsoft tried with the Microsoft phones, and they kind of failed on both those fronts. And Nintendo has always been very good at mobile. They've been good at mobile ever since they did the Game Boy. And I think that with this PlayStation 4 or with the PlayStation 5 concept, you're probably going to see something like that 20, late 2019 maybe, but to release it at 2018 when they're trying to build momentum and they're trying to keep the PlayStation 4 relevant just doesn't make sense. Updating the games and making the games future-proof 4K, that's smart right now. And I think that's what the PlayStation 4 Pro is set to do. And I think as time goes, you may see the PlayStation 4 Pro and the Scorpio increase in sales as we get through it. But you're just not going to see a huge drastic jump in 2018. I'd be shocked if we saw PlayStation 5 in 2018 just because they needed to release it. So I, I guess I kind of set you guys up for this question because I can pretty much prove that they're not going to release a PS5 in 2018. Um, let me show you guys this and i really whoever wrote this article probably should have at least looked through uh sony's their last fiscal year because they give us predictions as well as most of you guys know they predict how many ps4s are going to move next year um and they even gave us an idea of operating loss to income and everything and i'm going to show you guys a picture here on the screen and here we go and you guys are seeing that yeah <clears throat> Okay, um, so here we go. This is a this is the operating income to loss, and what happens is when you release a console, as you see those red bars, usually that's from R and D, 
or just from generally producing the unit. You see, obviously, for fiscal year 2000, 2001 was PS2. Going up from there, you can see how devastating the PS3 was to that company. And then from there, you can see where it is for the following for the PS4. And what's interesting is, as they go up here, the fiscal year 17 and 18 is actually predicted to do better than ever. It is supposed to be their best year even more than the PS2 in terms of money. And this past one, 16 and 17, was actually the same as when they had their best year in terms of actually making money from profit, which was actually 98, 99, like the heyday or their harvest year for the PS1, which is like what they like to call it. I guess, like I said, they walk around and harvest, I guess, money. So, um, hmm. and that's that's kind of why this person probably should have done a little more research. But no, the, the PS5 is not showing up probably, oh, I don't, I want to say, 2021 2022 i think they're going to try to pull this as much as they can out of the ps4 and the ps4 pro because like shane said not a lot of difference between honestly i know people are going to get on me about this not a massive difference between check reporting and true 4k and i mean that by to the mainstream a lot of people like to yeah. say the hardcore gamers keep a company afloat that's not true at all the mainstream keeps a company afloat when we were working in stores when we would sell stuff we were always instructed to make friends with the mom rather than the hardcore gamers because the mom will come in and spend a lot of money on used games or essentially affordable games whereas the the uh, hardcore gamer will come in and buy a system that makes the store no money and buy a new game that makes the store no money because they come in occasionally when a new game comes out they buy it they leave whereas the mom constantly is buying stuff for this kid that she might not even understand but she'll still buy it so I hate to say it, bad games sell that way all the time. Sonic Boom sold to so many moms who did not know what the game was because it was Sonic, whereas a hardcore gamer is going to leave that on the shelf. So you can't, you can't just market to the hardcore gamer. I think that's why Microsoft has already said they're expecting the original Xbox One to still sell better than the Scorpio because it's cheaper and it's more mainstream. So don't expect a PS5 for a while is what I'm trying to say because it makes no financial sense for Sony to do that and essentially kill something that is making them like fistfuls of cash right now. I think you're completely accurate. I mean, uh, uh, Sonic 2006 sold millions of units or something like that, right? And it is... Mm -hmm the worst sonic game <laughs> but it's comedy I, <laughs> I yeah i you know it was funny i thought that was going to be the worst then i played boom and then oh my god and that sold well and it's just like i don't know how well it sold actually i don't know boom but i know i know 2006 sold well and it's like you're absolutely right it's just a mom uh, like a kid goes mom i really want to play sonic and then she goes to the store buys that and then brings it home and the kid's like this is awesome this is the greatest game i've ever played then he grows up thinking that's the best sonic game ever and those yeah. people end up loving Sonic for reasons thank, that thank no God one for will Sonic understand. Media. That's all I'm saying. Thank God for Sonic <laughs> Media coming out eventually. <laughs> they can see what, what good Sonic was. Um, so, Well, actually, what's funny is we were just going on rants about 4K, um, and the next topic is pretty funny, actually. So Digital Foundry, and I, was, I did some of this in my CES coverage earlier this year where we talked about 8K displays because they are reality. Dell is now selling one for $5,000. Um, you can, of course, super sample down using an 8K image to a 4K screen. And what's, what's happening here is it's essentially four 4K screens on your monitor. And the toll it takes on a video card is, is dramatic. So the guys over at Digital Foundry took two of the new 1080 Ti's and could still not get 60 frames. Most of the times they were getting, when they were running around in combat, this is a Metal Gear Solid 5, they were getting anywhere from 20 to 30 frames at best. 
So now the big push is going to be for 8K when we can barely play 4K correctly. And I think this is absolutely insane, but it's happening. TV developers, manufacturers are already moving forward. There were probably 20 or 30 8K displays at CES this past year. And I, I just don't know how, how far do we actually need to go with resolution, do you think, guys? I mean, how, how long until there is almost zero difference to the human eye? I mean, are, are we already there going from 4K to 8K? Maybe some people can't even see the difference between 1080p and 4K, which I think is a little crazy because I can see the difference. I think most people can. But do we really need to go above 4K, I guess, is my question to you guys. I honestly think that it's, you know, 8K is understandable, um, mm. you know, for people who are sort of working with video, like as professionals. I can see people in editing rooms needing a good display like that or, you know, photographers needing one for editing. But as far as just like general... Um, consumer consumption of media, sitting on the couch, or even playing something like a video game. I think 4K is is you know just fine, and no, like not very many people have 4K TVs. I am I consider myself somebody who's really into this kind of stuff and into video games, and I just got a 4K TV like just a few months ago. I still don't um, have one, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So and I have a PS4 Pro. I know you have one as well. Yep. I do. Um, actually got my PS4 Pro and my 4K TV at the same time. Um, and so like, I don't know. Like, the cash all over the place, huh? Yeah, it was, it was a great, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, no, yeah, I don't know. So I think that, uh, AK is, I see it coming, but for professionals, I don't know what these companies are thinking. I'm sure they're going to put some stuff out, but if I go into Best Buy next year and I see like an 8K TV there, for like five thousand or six thousand dollars, I'm just I'm just gonna shake my head and walk away seriously. But I I mean it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. So, um, Evan, what uh what are you thinking there, man? I mean we've already talked heavily about how pointless 4K is for like ninety percent of the people. Yeah. But I mean if we're talking 8K TVs, I know that's more for computers. Uh, it's more for consoles. It's more for stuff like that. What what like TV company in their right mind would allow for 8k to travel over their own like cable TV network. Like they can barely uh, pull that. I'm, I imagine they wouldn't be able to pull that off. You wouldn't be able to get that much information to travel to you that quickly uh, for television shows. So why would anyone buy a TV for like their general room in a house? That's at 8k when they're only getting so much. To anyway. be fair, that's just because Comcast is being a pain. <laughs> like that's well, yeah, but it's archaic copper and everything. They should really be up to like fiber optics, but that's yeah, that's but a, the... that's a topic for a whole other story. So yeah, but that's look. that's that's changing all infrastructure. That's getting yeah. ridiculous at that point. City infrastructure having to redo all that stuff. That's insane. Um, so like, it, it's almost pointless to talk about other than for i guess something you just kind of see once in a while a convention maybe their monitors that maybe baseball fields football fields they'll have the 8k monitor up top but that's it like yeah I what's the resolution see... for the cowboy stadium screen it's got to be massive maybe i'm not not no it's the well it depends on what it is now but those were always low res i mean they always look terrible even from a distance but the higher the res but that's what we were talking about with 4ks you need a tv almost that big to really appreciate the fact that it's 4k as opposed to anything else. So like, I don't know. <laughs> it's so pointless. Yeah. So I'll jump I over think, to, I guess, Shane here. Well, uh, so, okay. I've got a 4k monitor for my computer, uh, because sure. I do video editing, right? That's, that's, mm -hmm. that's one of the things. Um, if I had the choice now, I would have gone back and I would have got a 1080p monitor that just had a high, higher fresh refresh rate, like a, 
uh, Samsung sent in a 144-hertz monitor, and I was playing games at 144 frames per second, and it, I was just like, that's what I need. I didn't need the 4K. I needed the faster frame rate. Faster frame rates are just so much more interesting to me than high resolution because you do get a lot of detail, but I found it. I found that my computer struggled to run any game at 4K resolution where at a higher frame rate, I was capable of doing that. It just always looked cool. Um, I do have a 4K TV for my PlayStation 4 Pro and for my Xbox One S, like much 4K films and stuff. But honestly, I think that everything I've seen of 4K now has been very underwhelming. Um, you need a really, really expensive and good TV to get the get the quality that you think you want to get. But even then, I think celluloid res resolution is just underneath, just slightly underneath what four what eight K is. And mm. when people are scanning those old films and bringing them over for a format for us to watch at home, when you get to eight K, you're pretty much going to be getting one to one what that actual film was. Essentially, it's. It's 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 taking old analog technology and bringing it over to digital. So you know certain things get missed here and there. But uh, uh, a 35 uh, millimeter film is in the ballpark of like 500 by 400 or something. Mm -hmm. or sorry, 5,000 by 4,000 or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's it's something in that realm. Uh, realm. And, and when you get to 8K, that's when you start to get those re resolutions. Because even at 4K, they're still downsizing that image. But at this point in time with a lot of the films we see, uh, and, and a lot of video games we play at 4K, the image of the video quality, if there's a pre-recorded video sequence, is usually still at 1080p. And mm -hmm. in many instances, if you're watching a 4K movie, the special effects sequences were, were just ran, uh, uh, generated at 1080p and not 4K. And that still happens for a lot of films out there. Um, Mad Max, which is available on Ultra 4K on Blu-ray, that disc is actually just an upscaled 2K image. It's mm. not actually 4K, so you're not. You, I don't think there's enough content out there to to get that stuff unless they're willing to go back and clean up old celluloid. And in many instances, they'd have to go back and do that for a lot of films and get that 8K image and master it at 8K for us to get that kind of stuff back for us. And, and, and I just think that it takes too much out of the systems to run. I think that it's cool that they're doing 8K, mm. but they haven't got 4K right yet. And until no. they they get it right, there's no reason to jump up to 8K. Well, it's, uh, I think it's interesting because, well, one, we don't actually, what's funny is 4K is such a great marketing term because none of the TVs that most that most people buy in stores right now aren't really even, for, they're kind of round up because usually they're 3840 by 2160. So realistically, it should be like 2160p. I guess just, that's just not as sexy as saying 4K, whereas you could say <laughs> 1920 by 1080 is technically, I guess, 2k is the with the way their marketing is working here um and it's interesting i think 8k works for a couple things i think it works for uh movie theaters that want to do that um i think it works for anyone who like you guys have said in film or or, or art or anything graphic design where you you want an image that's so detailed that you can zoom in and make very fine corrections or change different things during you know video editing like you guys have said i just don't think it makes a lot of sense for the the mass market right now but who knows in 15 years maybe we look at 4k and even 8k like we look at 1080p now where we're you know they're all over the all over our house and we're to the point where we just you walk into a store and you buy a 1080p tv for what i, I think i was at walmart earlier today it was like 250 dollars for a 40 inch 1080p tv now which is if you go back 15 years maybe it, it, 1080p is kind of like what 4k is now where we kind of look at that a 1080p t tv like it's like a holy grail you know and and now it's we treat it almost like they're dirt <laughs> so it's uh it's an interesting 
I guess, growth because TV manufacturers are pretty much done with 4K at this point. Now they're just looking on to the next thing. It's just the rest of the world is having a hard time keeping up with these TV manufacturers who want to just do nothing but increase the resolution because it's not on their end to make the thing run. It's just on their end to have it display the image. So they, all they want to do is just keep jumping up to the next thing. And that's fine because we do need to move forward with technology. It just gets to a point where it's like, how much resolution do we need? Because games aren't going to be any more, any more fun. Sonic Boom won't be any more fun, for example, from 720p to 4K. It'll still be the same amount of fun. It's just how, how long do we move on with that? You know, that, that's, my, uh, that's my thought there. But let me, <laughs> let me jump to a really funny topic that I wanted to do because, Shane, I saw you talking about this on one of your live streams, okay? And uh, I, when I, once I saw you start talking about this, I was like, I need to have Shane and Evan talk about this because this could actually be really funny, um, or at least interesting, I should say. I shouldn't say funny. It'd be interesting. Um, Evan, you, you saw the sheet that I sent over, right, with the eSports? Yeah. Yep. Okay, so will eSports ever have any real chance of taking off in mainstream? Now, if I go upstairs and I turn on the CW on my TV, there are people playing eSports on TV, which is interesting. I don't think it has the highest ratings, but it is technically on my cable box right now. But is, is there ever going to be a time where eSports is widely accepted as an actual sport, considering there are it's being compared to athletes, essentially, or even football or basketball or anything? Um, and let me go to Shane first on this. I think this could be interesting. Okay. Um, well, as far as I see it, as it happens right now, um, esports has no possible way of continuing until somebody has made a game that sustains itself over time. Uh, uh, okay. So let me just ask all of you, uh, what sport does your dad really like? Oh, me. Oh, uh, my dad doesn't really watch sports. I'm the, I'm the actual sport person in the family. I would say if I sat down and wanted to watch a sport, it would be between football or I guess baseball hockey. eh, I'm between, I'm between, I watch a lot of sports. I would, I would go with football though in America. You guys. Uh, yeah. Football, golf, the regulars, uh, baseball. Yep. And you guys are gamers. Do you watch esports? Yeah. Evan does. I don't. (laughs) Now, Evan, what esports do you watch? Uh, I don't actually, along the lines with your, the game needs to last thing. I don't necessarily bundle it as like a game specifically, but I'll watch fighting ones. The King of Fighters series, I enjoy watching those matches. The Street Fighter series, I enjoy watching those matches. Sometimes I'll dip in to the older games that still have niche tournaments that are fun to watch. Uh, Last Blade, they had some pretty cool ones running for a while. Occasionally, someone will throw down like a good Samurai Showdown tournament. Those are always cool. Uh, Occasionally, I'll do the MOBA-style games, League of Legends, Dota 2 which have been going pretty well still recently. But like I I never really keep following them because now the teams are starting to become too convoluted, which is a big issue, I think, at this point. Like they just keep switching, changing, people leaving, adding new teams. But it's the problem. I guess it's almost like birthing pains, I guess, in a way for the esports for them at least, since they're the bigger of the brackets right now. Exactly. Every single game you just mentioned is going to disappear in the next couple of years. And the reason yeah. why, and, and that sucks, and that's that's the problem with esports. Unlike baseball, where your grandfather watched it, his grandfather watched it, then before that there's probably some civil war going on. He They they were play, watching baseball for years, and the whole sports complex, the way that that's generated is this complex thing of moving parts, promotions, and all, all this stuff. And unfortunately... 
every single video game company that wants to be in esports, and I, I'm just thinking of Rocket League, something like that, they have a finite amount of time in the sun, then they disappear. Just like StarCraft. StarCraft was huge and then disappeared. Melee is 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 big and it gets people watching, but that's also going to disappear. And one of the reasons why Melee can't stick around forever is because eventually kids are going to grow up not playing Super Smash Brothers. Like it just is going to happen because they're not going to grow up playing the GameCube version of the game. It just it's just science, right? Like it, that that's just how it evolves. Someone's always going to be able to pick up a baseball or a basketball because we have this one game that keeps evolving with players and all that stuff, but it keeps going on in kind of the same direction. There is no video game that's treating that world like that. Call of Duty could make a Call of Duty esports tournament style game where um, there's no theme to it. Like it's not set in World War II. It's not set in like some distant future. It's set in in just like a blank space where they can have players choose their own kind of uh, costumes, all that kind of stuff. And it's just this very basic design where it just, it feels more like a paintball type of game. Those types of games that are designed to basically have a an overall, kind of like a chess feel where it's just a vanilla overlay. And then uh brand deals get sent to the sides of the arena and like there's always like some kind of stuff like that as soon as corporations start to fund and advertise those things as soon as that stuff starts to happen that's when you see the big deal but right now dota 2 which is a big game is the sequel when the hell did baseball 2 ever become a thing <laughs> that right doesn't make that's be sense. just because they didn't title it that way doesn't mean it didn't exist are we still watching football without pads are we still watching rules change as they go on but we get I to see that package iteration move forward I it's completely agree I yeah. do agree with you that the games do vanish and come back, but I mean, Daigo was playing Street Fighter way back in the 2D sprite age, and he's still playing in 4, and I think I was watching some stuff recently, although I've fallen out of it for 5, and I mean, Street Fighter is still a title. It changes, it adjusts, people hate it, it brings new blood into it as well, which is interesting for me. But I do think maybe we don't know the full definition of it yet. Like, do you watch... For esports, would it be I like to watch StarCraft or would it be I like to watch RTSs? Do the teams continue through like Fnatic and everyone? They'll, they have people everywhere doing everything. You can actually enjoy those different teams playing to their top quality in the different fields, not necessarily with individual games, though you can feel attachment with them specifically between League of Legends and Dota. I do prefer Dota 2 and the whole reason why it exists being that the mod for Warcraft 3, they couldn't really do much with it or expand it to be an esports potential because Blizzard didn't care anymore, is its own thing. But I mean, we're watching the rules change, and rather than it, rather, because technically we are at a point where like football right now is like football 30. Like, it's the rules have changed, things have things are different but they just don't change the name so it's something more to watch as character building for the players itself the teams and the lore i guess in a way a weird way behind it but the problem is right now with that that it's so flooded with memes and just people who are all about like kind of that crappy attitude that some gamers have that it does feel like they're killing it from the player perspective. Meanwhile, companies are still dumping, I think Bit, what was it? It was Bitcraft dumped $18.5 million into people who want to build those houses of announcers and people who can run tournaments. So it's trying to grow, but it's too many things it's, going on all at once. 
It's a mm -hmm. group of people, these people that have a lot of money that are so excited about this concept that they're going to be the ones that hold the keys to the ignition of this engine of esports. And not a damn one of them understands what they're doing. Yes, guys, this makes sense. Let's buy that house over there and stick 17 announcers in it. Who the hell would do that for NFL? We are at football 30. I guarantee you that's where we are. We're probably at football 50. But you know what the difference is? Football didn't play on Mars. Football didn't play with werewolves or aliens or gnomes or warlocks. Football became this one concept of gameplay that has evolved over time with new rules and new ideas coming out from the early leatherhead stages. And now we're at this part where you have to wear a billion, like they look like soldiers walking onto the field. And if you were to throw a bat at them, they wouldn't feel it. Like that's where football has evolved to. And that is the evolution of one game going forward. We're never seeing that with an esport so far. Esports, like I said, have to become this vanilla stage where it's not a bunch of war, uh, wizards in a forest uh, fighting for uh, like capture points. It's got to be something more, more level-headed, so that uh, somebody that watches football will go and see that and go, "That looks interesting. I want to see the strategy in that." But what's going on right now is somebody goes on and like turns on uh, any, like a, an esports show on CW and sees a bunch of people playing Dota two, and they go. Are, are they playing Dungeons and Dragons with their mice? That seems weird, guys. I don't know about that. And that's how it evolves. That's the kind of stuff that that's never going to change. And what really sucks, too, is when you go to a football stadium, you're seeing these athletes at the peak of their conditions doing the best they can. These guys are professionals that are paid to do one thing and do one thing well, and that's playing football. When you go to an esports convention, when you see a bunch of people playing Dota 2, it's like staring at a group of people in the middle of an arena doing their taxes on their computers. And that sucks. There has to be something more visually engaging and more impressive to go. Maybe VR games become that physical jump out where people are literally moving around and moving their bodies to become that esports uh, type of thing. But the but the but the cover that these games have the um, like Halo, you're, you're fighting aliens versus Marines. Mm. That that concept, uh, Counter Strike, uh, uh, terrorists versus uh, the police or the counter terrorists. Those things are are just covers. They're this fictional identity that they placed on it that that these other sports don't have. You know, we we might talk about the founding of uh, of basketball in Canada years ago, or or like the the founding of, of football in in the U.S. and stuff like that. But that those things don't have fiction to them. They're, they're fact. And fans love that stuff, and they follow along with it. And fictional sports, those things can never continue. It's like it doesn't matter how popular Harry Potter is going to be. No one's actually going to be really playing Quidditch. You know, it's just it's all made up. And these games start up the same way by creating this fictional universe for these games to take place in. And I think the game that's really gone the closest to not being like that has been Rocket League. And I think they've done a really good job with that. But hmm. at the same time, you know, I think the DeLorean's in it with the Back to the Future setup. setup. <laughs> so it's like, even then, they're still not there. It's like, it could, it, they, they just need to make a game that focuses on the art of playing the game and not achievements, not a bunch of other things, just the gameplay being really good. Because there's a whole bunch of people that go there and go to like arenas and watch people play chess and stuff like that, or watch hmm. people play poker. You don't need the storyline. You don't need these voiced characters and stuff. You just need it to focus on the players and the game. And if they can get that, they can make something really amazing that will stand the test of time. We just haven't seen that yet. Yeah, but I mean, that's the thing. It, to say that it can't happen is almost just 
it's too soon. It's, it won't happen in our generation, definitely. But I mean, considering we are going to be able to watch, I think they announced FIFA was going to be the uh, Olympic medal sport, one of the esports going to the Olympics. Yeah, yeah the Olympics get an esport. It's part of that, what you're saying, where it needs to feel a little bit closer. But I feel like picking FIFA was almost, I guess, for layman type situation to have them be like oh it's kind of a sport and i get that those people are kicking a ball around and that's fine but that's also at least in the dota 2 tournaments i've watched the uh, major ones that's falls to the announcers heavily to make sure people who maybe aren't really part of the game to at least understand the stakes that are going on uh the action of it and seeing people on stage do it yeah it's kind of a little crappy, especially if you're just staring at them. But that's usually why, I guess, falling back to the 8K thing, they usually have the giant Jumbotron screen above them showing you what's going on on the actual game itself. Because those people down there, it's just for the flair. When you watch Dendi walk out in a Pudge outfit because he's about to hook some people in Dota 2 and he thinks it's funny, uh, that's the great little side thing. Those are those great little side stories. And then you watch him do it on a giant screen above your head. You got the people cheering, the people in the outfits, the brands actually surviving growing and i mean when you have companies backing it like amazon which since they own twitch owns all of team liquid who just signed i think another nine-year contract it's still it's still growing it's not like i guarantee you i'll die before it happens like that's probably it's probably not going to happen and like your son john might be able to watch an esports game properly like that might be it but we probably won't and you know what? I think that's another thing too. Uh, the fact that there's a thing called Team Liquid. You know, like we we. I don't mean like Liquid it being a weird thing. I mean like, how about Team New York, Team LA? You know, like have national teams have these players cultivated in their communities, and then they become traded into other teams so that people can go, oh, I'm rooting for my hometown. They because, they do like, technically. Uh, yeah, but esports makes it more universal. I think esports started too big, maybe, because they're global. Because with Team Liquid, you got Team Liquid US, and you got the other countries as well. So sometimes at tournaments, the countries will fight each other on their own team. So it's kind of interesting that way. But maybe they definitely started too big. Maybe they should have reined it down a little that, bit. That's actually a really good point, because people who watch the Olympics but have no idea who the people are who are competing... If it has like the American flag, or in your case, uh, Shane, like the you know the Canadian flag next to it, they cheer for them by default, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's no, the way that's, it goes. That's literally it. Like I, I don't, I don't like it. I know a whole bunch of people that love specific sport teams in Canada. I won't mention that never seem to win, but they really <laughs> like them a lot, like a lot. Like a lot, and they just never win. And it's like, why do you like them so much? Because I grew up rooting for them. And the day yeah. they do win, that's going to be an amazing day. And that is what being a fan of sports is all about. And esports can get there. I'm not saying they're never going to get there. I'm just saying that how we've established esports right now is backwards. It's not the way sports evolve. It's it's this hybrid collective of ideas and honestly once we start getting those 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 uniforms those team players and those kind of things then it's going to become a lot better of an idea and honestly i wouldn't be surprised if we see esports players um having to actually like uh 
like a part of their contract is they have to go to the gym and stuff like that so they can be fit like physically that's fit. actually that's already a thing uh there yeah. are people who have to because they stream a lot they don't want to emphasize the idea that there's some overweight nerd in the basement they, they, they to, go to gyms constantly do, and stuff do they have to drug well, test uh, also sports i've seen have uh not been that gym smart people but like i know what you mean i have seen some people that are a little bit more thin do they have to like drug tests and everything? They're thinking about it specifically because oh, okay. it has been brought up that there are like with any kind of sport, you've got yeah. the physical ones, you've got all your steroids and everything like that. But with esports, I mean, Adderall. yeah, you've already got Adderall, you've already got Ritalin and there's already drugs coming out that are supposed to increase uh, your mental capabilities beyond just focus, but actually almost make you feel like you're doing way more with your thoughts just actively. Uh, which would be better for almost any so, game that exists. So let me let me give you my perspective here as somebody that does not watch esports even a little bit, and uh, I've flipped through and seen this, and maybe Philip can weigh in here too. When I was flipping through and I saw the the one that was on uh, on the CW, I want to say they were playing. I don't think it was Call of Duty. It was an RTS, so it must have been it must have been Dota, because um, that's like the big one. I'm not nah, leagues leagues League? bigger. Dota's okay. huge, but League is more of the stable. Right. I think it was League of Legends. Anyway, when I'm flipping through. I see, I flip through and I see this, right? And I don't understand first what's going on at all because I don't play League of Legends or Dota or anything. So there's a lot of stuff happening on the screen and I have no idea. But if I'm flipping around and I'm seeing, for example, football for the first time and I see somebody get hit in the first 10 seconds, as as a human being, that's going to hook me to watch somebody else maybe get hit again. <laughs> um, and then eventually I start to learn what's happening. And there's cheering. There's people are catching footballs and then spiking them. Or in that case, maybe hockey, which I still think hockey is the most uh, fun thing you can actually watch if you don't know the rules to a sports you know, sports game because there's a lot happening. The announcer is very, very good at his job usually. He's talking nonstop. Things are happening. And uh, baseball would probably be the harder one, I think, although it is slower, so it's probably easier to talk to people and show them how, it play, how it's played. But that's my thought there is when I'm flipping through and I see it, uh, I don't understand what's going on, first of all. Um, the announcers sometimes help, and most times when I watched it had did not help at all, just assumed you knew everything that was going on. And if they're trying to sign a deal with the CW, which I assume they already have, and they're trying to build an audience to hopefully sign again, they should really try to either, I guess, flare it up a little bit. I, I don't really know how you do that. Like you guys have said, it's um, it's tough it's, when you're just sitting on the stage playing. Yeah, it's rare that it happens, but you can see it. If you look up any like Korean shoutcaster, Koreans do it the best I've ever seen. <laughs> my my, my advice yeah. is to sign Conan O'Brien and have him do commentary. Um, because if you ever go and watch his World of Warcraft commentary Ooh. where he actually went and signed him for esports, it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's that's basic comedy. But I mean, they had yeah, they I'm had two comedians. Just... They had two comedians host a a gaming award ceremony, and they they like bombed perpetually on stage mm -hmm. because they're not into that world. And mm -hmm. it's a problem of it's the problem of conversation. Like, how do you find the person who can create right. the right terminology to make someone understand it? Because if you do sure. watch football for the first time. Like if, if you somehow lived in a vacuum and never saw it, you're wondering why they have to wait before they do stuff. You're wondering why the guy with the ball doesn't just have everyone create a wedge and he just runs through every time. Like you're not trying, you're trying to figure out all that stuff. You're trying to figure out why the plays look like they do. Mm -hmm. And we've sort of naturalized it over decades upon decades of it being a thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas this, I mean, you, they can tell you like, oh, they're playing a support. Well, what does that mean? Or is it a good enough word? Is there a better way to put it? And really the moment that gets me every time I do watch those tournaments is when something happens 
in the game where it's a good use of like teamwork, team play, and the announcer is ecstatic about it, but also giving you everything that's going on properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are the moments that make it great. They are rare because I think total in English, there's probably only six people that really do it well. And right. I think some of the new casters are more in that meme community, which is an issue in my opinion. But but you can understand you can understand why maybe a mainstream person who's not really into the internet um, doesn't really go online and do all this stuff. No, definitely. Might, might be more interested in something that has violence and athleticism than than what you guys are describing. Okay, I was, I was just checking to make sure that came across. Um, Philip, Philip, what do you think about that part that I was just talking about there? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's. I think I look at it a little differently because, I mean, when you look at esports and you compare them to actual physical sports, especially the ones that we tend to see, like, on television, um you i think that's the mistake is that we're looking at them like they are actual like sport sports mm-hmm. um i think looking at esports as like a separate entity and then looking at the video games themselves as things like the sports like as if we looked at call of duty like baseball itself or whatever you know or no actually rather like a first person shooter as in baseball like and broke the genres down up into sports and had that sort of thing happening but i see shane's point as in he what he was saying as far as like the evolution how like you know there has there has to be a certain or a certain uh constant like the rules can't keep changing or like you know there has to be a way to you know get good and sort of evolve um naturally along with the sport so i don't know i, I think that something like that um reaching the mainstream just isn't mm-hmm. gonna happen um as far as like crowding around the family on or with the family on a sunday night to watch football or i mean to watch an esport you know instead of uh, something like football so like imagine you know after for for us americans after thanksgiving you know crowding around to watch a game of dota with your mom and grandma and dad and all that stuff instead of that which is why i'm saying it's decades down the road right it's it's just not gonna happen it's too standardized now for it to be a possibility right and then like you know as far as the whole going to see a show live entertainment factor i mean you know that's that's really i think far out there as well i mean i know a lot of people do go see that stuff but like what you were saying is how entertaining can you make it why wouldn't i just watch something like that from home you know what i mean like if they're just playing video games and stuff like that maybe like what shane said in the future when we're doing more was it i think it was you that said vr um but like when people are getting more crazy and stuff like that that would be cool but getting a commentator like Conan O'Brien, I mean, that would be, that's that's really what that. would set it off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, no, I think so. Yeah, the, the reason I said VR was, uh, I read a, uh, a book called Ready Player One that had a lot of really good uh, depth into like that kind of stuff. And it was talking like about that. And I was like, would VR really be that physical? And then I played uh, with HTC Vive, I played a game called uh, Rec Room and there's like this mm-hmm. paintball game in it. Oh man. I was jumping and dodging and I smacked my wall a couple times while playing it because you're just, you're avoiding shots and you're, you're just like, at one point I remember like I John wooed it. I just like slid on my knees with two guns going, ah! it was like, this was, it was so fun. Like you're literally doing these things in real life and it's replicating it in the game. And I felt like when we get that, you know, mm-hmm. that's going to be crazy. And rec room, by the way, is a great example of something that could evolve into that because it's theme is just, people playing paintball there's there's no like there's nothing crazy or weird about it It has a couple of set rules and you you just have a way to go about it the the one thing that sucks about that specific instance though is that um when you're playing it uh you you have to yeah you have to transport where you're going there's no smooth there's no walking 
Yeah. 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 And okay, that, yeah. that can basically cause the, the, that one problem. It's, mm-hmm. it's that kind of disconnect. And if your grandfather goes and sees, is like, how come no one is actually walking? <laughs> right. What is the science? You know, like that kind of stuff would, would get weird. But I think that, uh, that evolution of, of that concept, I think that's going to be something that people are just going to love watching. Cause it is, it's fun to play and it's really fun to watch someone play. Maybe, did you, uh, uh, did you get Rick and Morty by the way, real quick? Yeah, I did. okay, cool. So, yeah, it was a, is it any good, real quick? Is it good? It, it's just like every other object VR game. It, it oh, doesn't, okay. it, you know, it's it's funny because it, it's it's them, but outside of that, it's like it, it's it's probably the lesser of the VR games I've played. Oh, what were we saying, Philip? Maybe we'll see um, esports become more like mainstream once augmented reality augmented reality uh, technology kind of like kicks in. You know what I mean? Like that hollow deck, man. Yeah, you know, and I'm not, and I'm talking about like really far into the future, like what Evan was saying. Once, once we're walking in the field with AR shoulder pads mm-hmm. and AR like you know armor, and you know, like maybe that'll be like an esport type of thing. But that's even more just mixing physical sports, I guess. So, who knows? <laughs> Unfortunately, that that'll be the last thing they think of using the holodeck for. Yeah, right. Or I mean, yeah. realistically, rich people are going to buy it and use it for other things. But <laughs> let's, let's be real. But um, <laughs> they'll, they'll definitely use it for training simulation and then other unspeakable things they'll do behind closed doors but um <clears throat> from there let's uh all the kill the poor simulator 5000 it's really fun you kill the poor you can just walk up to a homeless person and choke him to death yeah you, <laughs> you, know, you don't even have to pay off the coughs for this one <laughs> uh, now you can do it and not get that stink on you it's just fantastic <laughs> htc vibe you know it'll be a great way to do it. <laughs> Okay, so real quick, we did have a um, the the contest ended. We did have a winner for the controller. Uh, this one, that is uh, Ben Schubert at One Way Four D Seven Three on Twitter. You have won this Halo controller. I'll get in contact with you uh, before the night's over. Get your address. Get that sent out to you. So congratulations to Ben for winning the Halo Xbox One slash PC wired controller. <laughs> it is actually I forgot to mention this. This is actually a limited edition. I think they only made two thousand of these or something like that. Four thousand of these. They sent me a whole thing for it. But um, congratulations to you for winning that. Now. Real quick, we have to jump over to some of the last things to talk about here. These are questions from our subreddit. So if you have not already gone over and joined, it's uh, it's reddit.com slash r slash spawnwave, where I asked you guys to, to put a few questions up. You gave me a couple. I picked two of them. Um, the first one I'm going to sh- jump over to Shane because it was for Shane specifically. And that was uh, someone asked, Shane, if your thoughts on the Switch since you first used it well, before it came out have changed at all in the last two months or so. Uh, unfortunately, when I first used it, uh, mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of good online stuff to be had. Right. And yeah. now that we have the online, I can say the online is still the weakest of all the systems available. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wii U had had a lot of really neat online features, even though some of them weren't implemented very well. It still had more online features than what the Switch has. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that my thoughts haven't changed too much on it. I really feel that I, I like I said when I did my video on it. Uh, it's going to be a success for the beginning there. You know, people are going to love this thing. I, I, I predicted it was going to sell out when it came out because it's a Nintendo console. I mean, come on. Like, it's not like uh, we're, we're in, a, we're in a, a day and age where people don't know what Nintendo is. So, of course, people are going to buy it. Mm-hmm. I just feel that if they don't ramp up on third-party support and they don't, they don't give you – like, I, I, that portability is a huge factor. And I think that's something that really that really makes you love what it is. 
But I think that if third-party developers just choose not to support it, it might actually end up hurting it within, uh, like, after the, the first couple of months. You know, mm. funny enough, releasing it at this point in time, uh, it sold very well during launch, but it didn't release during a holiday period. So now it has this really big launch and then a holiday period coming up. Mm -hmm. And we don't know what that's going to be like. You know, very few systems have been released around that time period. Right. Yeah. So, almost none. Yeah. yeah. So we don't we don't really know how that's going to affect things. It's it's exciting because now we're going to find out. Are we going to see sales increase month after month after month? Are we going to see them dip? Uh, by the time holidays come in, are people going to be buying that or are they going to be buying another system? Uh, with Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a bunch of people out there that want to play that game. And that is a game from Rockstar that you're not going to be able to play on PC. You have to get a PlayStation 4. You have to get an Xbox One. Right. Will people buy the PlayStation 4 Pro in huge numbers during the holidays? Will they buy the Scorpio in huge numbers? Because maybe it's not about being at 4K. Maybe it's just that the ability to play it at 60 frames per second. Maybe it's just to have those features that people want to get those systems on. Honestly, we don't know what's going to happen. What I can tell you, though, is that... These other systems, the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, those original systems are in a state where they're going to be getting progressively cheaper a lot faster than the mm -hmm. Switch. So when somebody wants to play some of these games that are going to be available on all platforms, even on the Switch, they might just find themselves buying it on the PlayStation 4 or the Xbox One at a cheaper value or a cheaper price than getting it on the Switch unless they want that portability. It's a really interesting time. I don't think my opinion has changed on it too much. I think it may struggle as time goes on, but... Uh, that third-party support, if it comes in there, then that will change everything. So I think that's okay. really what's going to matter. So you're, how many how many third-party announcements are you, are you hoping for at E3 for the Switch that may change your mind a little bit on that? Is there a certain set number or are there just more big ones? Like if there were three really big third-party announcements, let's say that's it's like Assassin's question. Creed, let's say it is Red Dead Redemption, would those two be enough or would you like, I don't know, 10 smaller like B-level studio announcements, like a Payday 2 and then some others like that. Payday 2 is garbage. There's no reason for that. I, I don't even understand. I don't want to insult people that like Payday 2, but Payday 1 is better and Payday 2 is a hunk of crap. Don't mean to insult you. If you like the game, that's great. It's a terrible game. I've played Payday 2 for as, as far as I could, and it is just a, a DLC factory. Like it, it does not want you to enjoy the game at any point. It's constantly throwing... Uh, ads or like a whole bunch of crap down your throat. And I got upset because I love the first one so much. Um, I think Red Dead Redemption 2 would be a really big win. If they announce Grand Theft Auto V portable, mm -hmm. done deal. That's they it, do yeah. That, they do that, that's it. That's it, that's it, that's it. That's like, there's not even a question in my mind. They get that, it's it's solid, like final. Mm -hmm. um, Call of Duty uh, uh, World or World War II, I think that's a big deal for a lot of people because I think the Switch needs that first-person shooter. You know, I think it needs mm -hmm. something like that, and I don't believe Payday 2 is going to service that. Um, I think those three games would be a big deal. I don't think uh, Assassin's Creed's going to matter as much because I don't okay. think that series has been selling as well as it used to. Well, keep in mind, though, it's been, it's been a full year since we've had one, so maybe just the, the absence of it will make it maybe the anticipation higher. I'm not sure. Yeah, that, and the, the, there is word that they are trying to move to something completely different, like Egypt, for example, which is, is much different than being doing things like Paris and stuff like that. Cause obviously you have pyramids and sand, I don't know, <laughs> all kinds of stuff like that, but that could at least be a little different, but you're saying like GTA five would be a, almost a done deal for you if that shows up and then maybe like a call of duty, for example. I, I, I like as call of duty, it would be a big deal. I think mm -hmm. Red Dead Redemption two would be a big deal. 
Um, and I think like a lot of really powerful, uh, 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 another one that would be a big deal is to have, uh, uh, Rocket League, you know, uh, yes, uh, yes. uh, what was the other game, uh, that, uh, Blizzard just made recently? I can't believe I just forgot. Overwatch. Game. Overwatch. Thank you. If sure. Overwatch came, we, that's not going to come. They already said mm -hmm. that it's not going to come, but if that did come, if they found a way to make it work, that would be a big deal. But I think I'd be willing to say if Grand Theft Auto V came out on the Switch, I think that alone would be a big enough reason to get the switch but even at this point it keeps selling every month so well can it what, keep gta 5 gta 5 yeah yeah it it, it it's interesting because it, it does you're right it sells better than a lot of games that just came out actually that month it's always in like the top five most times of like games that have come out that month and uh it's it's hard to describe why because you feel like by now everyone who wanted gta 5 because it's been out for what like three years now um three or, yeah three years uh, you feel like everyone would have it by now who won who wanted it but it's it prints money i don't, I don't know it, it just does <laughs> it's the same. i mean i i can't imagine it's going to sustain itself but i think a couple of games i mentioned that i think that would help a lot uh, in terms of nintendo and what they could develop for it um i have this weird feeling that i don't think mario is going to do as well as everyone hopes it does because Traditionally, that game has been included with the system when you buy it. Usually, like you, you've had, it's been a bundle for a lot of people. And I don't think we've seen a mainstream Mario game do very well for a while now. I think uh, Galaxy One and Two, mm -hmm. um, I, I think combined didn't sell. I sold a quarter of what the Wii U or the Wii originally sold, or something. It wasn't mm -hmm. as big as everyone hoped it was. I mean, it was really good. It's not Galaxy like Two was very bad. good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're not, they're not bad games. It's just, I think that people fantasize Mario more than than they they, they understand what people actually want. What what because hardcore gamers we want Mario, we want all that stuff, we want a new Donkey Kong, we want all that. But I think the the regular people that are just wanting to get into games and stuff, they don't get those things. Mm -hmm. um, okay, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Philip, um, what do you what do you think? Of, do you think Mario is going to is going to do well? I, I feel like it will because of portability, even if it is similar to say the Galaxy ones. But what what are your thoughts on that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't I don't think it'll have as high of an attachment rate as something like Breath of the Wild. Obviously, well, there'll be more switches that anyway. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. Um, but obviously, I think that it's going to do exceptionally well. I mean, probably better than most games out there that are coming to the Switch. Um, I mean, a lot of people I've heard, you know, are, I get a lot of questions, you know, should I, should I get a switch? Like, I'm, I'm really just interested in Mario or something like that. Or all I would get is breath of the wild and Mario. Um, so I know that there are a ton of people out there that are interested in classic old Mario. So I think that it is going to help sales, but at the same time, um, I don't think that it's going to do anything as far as, um, making anybody who doesn't already want one now getting one like too far in the future or during the holiday season mm -hmm. I, I will say uh i am currently more interested in xenoblade than i am mario which probably sounds really bad to a lot of people me, no, me I, too I am. <laughs> i'm with you man i'm um, way more into that that sort of type of game than mario but at the same time mario is like you know yeah, no i'll get mario obviously yeah but yeah. uh but yeah xenoblade interests me i i have to imagine i mean i a monster hunter has to be in the works right at this point that would interest me and then, uh, of course, again, we keep hearing about Pokemon Stars. Uh, Sun and Moon, I it, it didn't play as well as I would have liked on the 3DS. I would be much happier to get a 60 frames per second 
1080p experience on the Switch if it is mostly the 3DS game, just, you know, higher resolution creatures and everything. That would interest me more as well. If that rumor is true, again, we're going off rumors with that. Um, but that that's kind of where I stand with that. Um, Evan, are you, are you in the camp for Mario or are you thinking more along the lines of like RPGs and stuff like I am? Uh, probably RPGs. I mean, how much farther can you go as a platform puzzler? Usually it's the more Mario games that interest me are Mario RPG, uh, the Luigi's Mansion type stuff, things with puzzles. But I mean, the moment you go back to Mario, it's you're playing with positioning, gravity, speed, and acceleration, and that's about it. And mm-hmm. that you just have to create a world around that concept, create some power-ups, create a type of scoring system, and then hope that people enjoy it more than the last one or mm-hmm. just get it because it's a name. And that's about I, it. <laughs> I will say it was very funny how shocked we all were to actually see Mario alongside real people. <laughs> it's, it's odd that we're still shocked <laughs> like that in 2017, but that's, that's, that's the way it is. That's, that's pretty funny. Um, let me. We have uh, one more topic before we take a few questions from the audience and wrap up. Um, and this one is interesting. This is also from our Reddit. Um, again, you guys are really cool over there giving us topics and stuff. Uh, this is a question about Michael Pactor. Now, I assume you guys at least know who he is, right? Am I, am I correct to assume that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Michael Pactor. Yes. Okay, cool. Let's make sure. <laughs> um, so he had an interesting, he does something, a show on YouTube called Pactor Factor. And what they do is they put like snippets up on YouTube and then have you sign up for their membership program and everything. A lot of times he tries to put like the, I guess the more controversial topics that he tries to predict on YouTube to get you over there. Anyway, he pretty much says that consoles are completely, are pretty much dying now. Like every generation will continue to do less and less and less. And eventually in his words, we'll be playing all of these things off of our cell phones in like the next couple console generations. We'll hook it up to our TV and play it off of our cell phone, <laughs> which seems crazy to me, but I at least kind of understand what he's saying. Um, I just don't think he's, he knows a hundred percent on the back end of that. I think what he's trying to say here is, okay, so you, I assume you guys are somewhat familiar with computer chips and how we continue to shrink them. Um, I know uh, Polaris was 14 nanometers. I know, of course, um, NVIDIA has done nothing but shrink theirs to 16 nanometers. Of course, it's fabrication process, mostly the same. You can switch between the two. And now I believe AMD is currently researching sub 10 nanometers. And that's insane. But chips will only be able to get so small before we have to move to something else. I do think the ARM technology is something that is evolving now that we will eventually move to completely. And um, I think that's what he's trying to say. But do you guys really think that consoles are dying and we're just going to just do cell phones in like 20 years? I feel that um, this this question, I, I, I hear this all the time and I, I do remember um, Patrick saying this and I don't think I don't think he's wrong. But I don't think he's right in the same way. Uh, they 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 are going to slowly die uh, die off. We're just not seeing that happen right now. Mm-hmm. I think we're not right there. In the in my ideal world, I don't want a PlayStation f- uh, Four. I don't want an Xbox One. I don't want a Switch. I just want one device that plays all games. Sure. And mm-hmm. and there's this rampant fanboyism out there for people that say Nintendo always has to make consoles, and it's like yeah. Sure, but no, they don't. They make better games and they make consoles. I would always argue that. I think that the last couple of consoles they made were were bad consoles or, or just consoles that didn't really hit the mark, but they made games that made those consoles successful. And I think that what what really matters with uh, with the way that we see games being developed right now is we're treating video games 
uh, it, many people are like we're like some people treating uh, like a television or a movie studio. You only go to watch Marvel movies because you go to a Marvel cinema to see those films. You only go to Universal cinemas to see Universal movies. And back in the old days, that actually used to be how it worked. But mm -hmm. now we have multiplexes and cinemas that have multiple screens and show whatever movies they want to show. And that has made us, uh, given us the ability to watch whatever. If you have a DVD player at home, uh, you could watch any movie from any company as long as they made a DVD of it. And that mm -hmm. was the kind of thing that really made it easier for us to consume movies. And it got so awesome that we got to the point where now we have Netflix and, and all these streaming services where everything just streams at us and we can just watch everything on one TV. That's the kind of stuff that has really done some amazing work for movies. And for video games, I feel like at one point in time, there was a company called 3DO that tried to do something where it was they were going to make the video game console allow anyone to build it, and then they were going to produce games on it, and they were just going to distribute games. And that was an interesting idea at the time, but they got they went about it the wrong way, and the console ended up costing way too much. And mm -hmm. I feel that right now, we need to get to a, part, a point where the TV has everything ready in it to play whatever game from whatever manufacturer. The screen has it. And once we've get uh, we've got to that point, and we already have smart TVs that have Netflix and stuff built into them. PlayStation Now's built into them too. Well, they were. It's kind of going out now. But yeah, yeah, yeah I agree yeah. with that. Exactly. So I think Sony messed up on that. They could have. They should have kept hitting that because I feel like, and I think it was um, Phil Spencer recently said this about Microsoft. Uh, about Microsoft. He said that uh, there's no reason why Xbox uh, cannot make, or the Xbox division can't make uh, the Netflix for video games. We've mm -hmm. had things like that in the past. Uh, I think it was Game Game Live. Was it? Oh gosh, I know exactly. Game Tap. Game Tap. Online. Game Tap? Oh. Online. I know. Thank you. Online. Online. That's yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> On Live. I remember using On Live and being so impressed mm -hmm. with it. But the problem was they were going about it the wrong way. They were treating their service exactly like Netflix. But unlike mm -hmm. Netflix, where it's just streaming a bit of data at you, uh, on live was had to play the game on a power computer and then it would stream it at you that way. It was a backwards way to go about it, and it was really difficult. And I think it uh, I forget what company bought the uh, the rights and the tech to that. But it was what I think was it Sony or was it Microsoft? It was one of the big guys, wasn't it? It was one of the big ones. Yeah, could have been Microsoft, as far as I remember. It's, it's, it could, you know, it could have even been Razer. Honestly, it was like somebody like that. I think. But well, I know Sony bought Gaikai, right? That's it. Sony bought Gaikai. They bought David Perry's thing. Yeah. So this is this is the way that that I think it's going. We're just going to have the TV, and the TV has all that stuff built in. And Sony owns their own store, their own mm. um, platform and stuff, and and they sell it to the manufacturer of the TV, and it or they give it away to the manufacturer of the TV, and they just charge people to be on that store. And Microsoft might do the thing, same thing. Honestly, I think Microsoft is going in a direction so fast that it might harm uh, Sony and Nintendo in the long run because. They are getting to this really open platform type of style where you buy it on Xbox One, you can get it on the PC, and they're starting to tr make a transition between that. If they can manage to make that work, Sony and Nintendo don't have a prayer because all it takes is for uh, Microsoft to go, okay, here's the Xbox platform on cell phones. Let me ask you and a question. Let me ask you a question about that real quick, Shane. Um, yeah. The biggest place that Microsoft makes their money currently is Xbox Live. Do you think they could ever convince PC gamers or even cell phone gamers to spend $60 a year for that? Absolutely. You think so? Okay. I would, I would, oh, yeah. I was curious. Oh, I, because uh, they, they've, they've already been getting... Uh, like, I think of it this way. Mm -hmm. um, if all you're doing is you're just convincing somebody to buy a, a yearly fee or a couple, a monthly fee or something mm -hmm. to download these games, 
in a package. Like Microsoft already said for Xbox, they're going to be doing a, uh, a download service where you pay per month and you have a, a list of games you can download on your system and just play them. And you get to choose whatever it is. That's going to be revolutionary because we've never had that before. It's like having the Steam service that you pay per month and you get all the games on Steam in your library instantly. And you can just play them and swap in, swap in and out whenever you want. When companies start to figure that stuff out and that becomes a big deal, it's going to make waves. And unfortunately, Nintendo should have done that or should have done that like years ago. They should have completed that idea. They own the best games for this idea. The NES, the Super Nintendo, this, the Nintendo 64, the GameCube. They could have been having a digital download service. And I actually talked about this in one of the videos. I called it the Nintendo Museum, a concept <laughs> where you pay per month and you get any game you want, download it on your Switch and just walk away. Unlike Netflix, where it has to stream gigabytes at you or megabytes at you, if Nintendo wanted to stream an NES game at you, all they do is they have to send you one megabyte, even less than that in some instances. And that one megabyte just goes on your system and it stays there and the processing power of the Switch runs the game. So is it, you want them to bring the Sega channel back for the Switch? Pretty much. Okay. Sega Sega was <laughs> Sega was stupid ahead of their time. Yeah, they, they really that. were. They really and, were. And, and don't and it's not like Nintendo didn't do this, right? The Famicom had online abilities, but more 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 importantly, the Super Nintendo had the Satella view. Mm -hmm. So yeah. through the power of satellites, you could download whole games with soundtracks that were streaming straight to your mm -hmm. satellite onto your Super Nintendo or your Super Famicom. How the hell did Nintendo do that? And we still don't have Virtual Console on Switch. Dude, what happened? <laughs> How is this even a thing? How is it that I own a DS, a Wii, uh, and all these other games that I've downloaded games onto, and mm -hmm. that game hasn't been able to transfer over to systems? How is it? How is it? That Microsoft took a power PC architecture with the Xbox 360, promised us with the Xbox One that it would never be able to be emulated over, and then a couple months later they went, Hey, we figured it out. We just carried a one. And then suddenly the Xbox One was playing all these 360 games. And what makes it even weirder is that mm. the Xbox One runs the games better. It does, Red Dead yeah. Redemption is at a better frame rate than it is on the Xbox 360. If you're going to play the game, you can't even play it on PC. The best way to play that game is on Xbox One. I don't even understand how they were able to do this, how Sony is able to stream a bunch of their old games to that streaming service and whatever, and they're able, like my PlayStation 4 actually has PlayStation 2 games on it. Like yeah. you can actually download them and it just, just works that way. And it obviously you have to get certain games that are capable and stuff like that. And they just transfer it over to a degree. But how are they able to do all of that? And Nintendo is so far behind when they had games streaming by satellite, man. What happened? <laughs> I, have a Nintendo I, have a strong, I have a strong feeling that they're, uh, they're or at least I'll give them the chance on this. Their online service, I think. I'm hoping is, is at least interesting in that regard, something, you know, like that. But I mean, they already said they'll give us what is it one game a month, I guess that they'll just give us and then you can buy it if you like it, I guess. But I get what you're saying completely about streaming games and everything. It, it makes a lot of sense, but I do think the broadband companies need to kind of catch up with that because the worst part about all that is the latency and it, it does still exist even in 2017, unfortunately. It, it it just it just confuses me. Yeah. I mean, I I uh, like Nintendo with the Switch. I know a lot of people are very forgiving of Nintendo because there's a lot of Nintendo fans out there that are willing to literally bend backwards up until the point that they can kiss their own ankles. This entire concept that they didn't need to get the Virtual Console out on day one with the Switch. 
I don't understand how they weren't able to do that. How, how far are we out now? Two months with the Switch? Yeah, two months. I, I have a feeling it's probably an E3 announcement of some kind. Yeah, sure. How did a company... Uh, there, there's some company on the Switch's eShop. It was like one of the first uh, batches of games. They're running Neo Geo games on the, on, the, on the Switch before Nintendo could figure out how to get NES to work. It should have been, mm-hmm. I think that's SNK, yeah. that's uh, That was interesting to me, or seeing all these Neo Geo games pop up. I mean, I'm happy about it, because they're fun. Most of them are, anyway. Uh, they're fun, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I have a feeling there is, I mean, we'll probably know more at E3. Maybe we look at this new online service, or the virtual console, and go, oh, okay, yeah, that, that that's good. Maybe it's maybe it's a little more immersive. I don't know, maybe there's like, like maybe it's an app you download, like you're thinking, and you it's almost like you walk in and there's all these different virtual console games in a menu or on like a shelf or something that you can pick out. Um, but I don't know. They're so vague about their online service and the virtual console. I mean, they won't even tell us if GameCube is coming over or not. Well, it, you know, so. an interesting part with uh, with the Switch is uh, World of Goo came out on the Switch. Mm-hmm. I have World of Goo on my Wii. Like I actually bought it for the Wii. It was it was a, a deal at one point. I wanted to see how they implemented that with with the Wii. So I actually have it on that system. And if I want it on the Switch, I have to buy it again. Yep. Fuck off. Like no. <laughs> I mean, what what are are you like? I get it. I, I get it. Right. Like old school Nintendo. But seriously, no. This isn't funny anymore. You guys need to start picking up your shit because everyone else is super surpassing you in ways that shouldn't even be possible. There is, and I mean this, there is absolutely no reason that Microsoft took the 360 and got it working on the Xbox One. That is stupid. That should never have happened. But clearly they employ wizards over at Microsoft because they got it to work. (laughs) But getting the NES, I can spend two seconds on my phone, find an app that will download, I I can download an emulator for Nintendo 64 and start getting Nintendo 64 games to run for free, illegally, but for free, very, very fast. (laughs) How are they not doing that on the Switch? I have a strong, I, I I have a strong feeling that backwards compatibility for the 360 was not an original idea for them. I think after the back, because if you go back and look at the original Xboxes, Xbox One's launch, it was met with a lot of hate. If you remember that, <laughs> they're selling an overpriced system that's underpowered compared to the PS4. They were this close to making you always be online. You had to always have the Connect actually attached to it it was a mess and i feel like because it wasn't until a little while after that they decided to start doing that and they're very fortunate that the 360 was much easier to port over than how the p the ps3 will never run games natively on the ps4 it's that cell processor is so out there and so crazy that it's it's just not doable on the ps4's hardware with the the cpu the way it is and fortunately for microsoft the 360 cpu that the gpu is much easier at it with its tri-core power pc much easier unified ram everything much easier to move over to the xbox one and get working better so they're very fortunate i i will say though they do have top engineers over there I still think they have better engineers than, say, Sony or Nintendo or anybody because they are a bigger company. They can do that. So I think they're very fortunate to be in that position. I do think Nintendo needs to come to the table with a legit online service, especially since they're charging us for it now. It's, it's rumors have it somewhere between th- 20 and $30 a year. I think you need to give some kind of value. Now, if they're standing up servers like they say they are, where they're probably standing up dedicated servers... Okay, you know, that that might cost some money, but $20 a year compared to 60 for the PS4 and the Xbox One, that's not bad. I just I would want some value back for that $20. I you know, it for me that that 
that online service is is a, is a big deal. I think that, and I'm not against Nintendo charging to play games online if they feel like that's the way to make their online, uh, air, like their online gameplay more consistent. That's great, but we're at a point when they don't even offer voice chat. Like that's not going to be a thing that happens with this console. It just won't. Well, it's there, weird. It's what is it with the the cell phone app that we still don't really know yeah. about. I like okay, so I gotta carry a cell phone around with me while I'm playing your console. Yeah, like, I don't understand. You're that literally either. telling me you're literally Nintendo's literally telling you, hey, buy the competition to play games on. Like, come on, man, that's not right. Like, and then the worst part is, I know there's a bunch of people out there that are probably thinking they're just gonna release an update, and that update will allow you to play the games, uh, or will allow you to do voiceover chat and stuff like that. Their only way they're gonna be able to do that is if they uh, partitioned enough of the RAM out so that they could have uh, that voiceover IP ability uh, stacked in there. Because with the PlayStation 3, they didn't actually dictate enough uh, uh, system RAM out for uh, voiceover IP. And that's why uh, PlayStation 3 never got cross-platform uh, party chat like we got on the 360. Microsoft knew from a standpoint they wanted to do that. We did hmm. not get that with the PS3 because of that. So if they didn't plan that with the Switch, then we're in a very bad state. And because the Switch is portable, I think that's why they had to be so limited with the with the RAM because they don't want to put as much well, RAM the, in the To, 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 to jump in there real quick, the reason the PS3 wasn't able to do that correctly is because the RAM was uh, partitioned apart from each other, whereas with the 360 it was unified, so they can pretty much play with the RAM however they want. The, the Switch's RAM is also unified, so they should be okay doing that uh, from a technical standpoint. Is for like all games though, because the games that have just come out now, they didn't even like they weren't even created with the concept of having voiceover IP. No, that's true. I, th I mean, going forward, if they well, want I mean, to, I'm it, sure they can implement it. Actually, you know what? Forget it. Let's just go with the most basic standpoint here. Uh, the Switch will never have voiceover IP in the same way because they've sold how many? 2.7 now or shipped 2.7 at least? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> 2.7 million without a microphone. Done. End. And the Switch doesn't have a microphone built in. That's all it takes. If yeah, it it's actually a, doesn't have a microphone. But yeah, if, if it did have a headset bundled in, that would matter for people. But because it doesn't have one, it doesn't have one built into the system itself. That's going to push people away from you're going to have 2.7 million people there that don't have the ability to hook up a microphone to it unless they have a Bluetooth headset. And I remember with the PlayStation 3, when they did have certain games, uh, I think it was Warhawk got bundled with a Bluetooth headset, like a little small one. And I remember getting that game, just being like, this is so awesome. I get a game and a Bluetooth headset, and then I can use it to go anywhere else and do whatever. Well, you can, and, you can technically buy a headset, um, one of the, uh, what is it, the Afterglow ones. I have one around here. And it does technically work because it has the, if you look at the top of your Switch, it does have that microphone symbol next to it. It is like a full uh, headphone microphone combo jack. I just don't know if they're going to implement that or not. Yeah. So that's what's going to come down to if they actually use it. It's hard to say. Um, Philip, what, what do you think about that, man? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Just kind of so lost in your guys' conversation here. That's cool, man. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I honestly, I think that um, as far as like the technical side of things and, and how they're going to implement voice chat, I think it's ridiculous that they're doing it over over mobile phones as well, of course. But at the same time, like I, I think that it potentially is possible for us to see it directly coming from the system. Um, I know that it's unusual that they didn't implement a, a microphone built into the Switch tablet itself. But then again, we are seeing like other officially, li isn't there like an officially licensed chat headset available right now? For I have it. I have it. Is Where that is what you were talking about, the Afterglow? Where is it? I have it around here. It's, it's either over here or it's upstairs. Yeah, I, I did an unboxing thing. So what's the deal, me. yeah, with that thing then? I mean... Well, they, don't, they ha don't have anything implemented for it yet from what I could tell to actually try it. Um, right. 
I have it. I mean, it's not a bad headset, but the cable is like it's like that long. <laughs> right. So you can't. You, <laughs> so can't, you can't. No. It works for handheld. Um, and then I guess if I bought an extension, uh, you know, like one of those ten foot extension cords, I'd be able to use it. But at that point, just implement Bluetooth, and then I won't have to care. Right. Exactly. So, which the system has Bluetooth for. If you look at the stats, it has Bluetooth for it. So I guess if they want to implement it, they can. Maybe that comes with the app. I don't know. From what we know right now, we need to use our cell phone. That's all we know right now. I will wait and see what their app is. I hope it's not linked to your – like you have to use your cell phone. I hope it's like you can plug it in here. If you want to run an extension, extension you can. If it's handheld, don't worry about it. Bluetooth is an option but they need to give us that option for that to be viable. I don't want to have to take my cell phone, get that set up while the switch is turning the game on and, you know, hope my battery is okay. Cause if you have right. like a, what is it? If you have an okay. So iPhone sevens don't have headphone jacks, right? Exactly. It's, a, <laughs> so, it's one of these things. It's a oh, lightning so port. Yeah. So how yeah. Does, that, does that mean then, then I need to plug that in? Do I need, Phil, do you need an extension uh, break off from there to charge and use a headphone at the same time? You can't charge and use uh, wired headphones at the same time. Or actually, you can, but you you do need like one of those dongles. And I don't know anyone that has anything Based like that. Based on Apple's history, that probably costs about eighty bucks. So, right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so now I'm running like a spider web of cables just to be able to talk on the Switch. I hope that's not the case. I hope they say, "Hey, Bluetooth. Hey, plug it into the Switch in handheld mode if you want." Because those headphones work fine. If I hold the Switch here, the cable runs up fine. It runs off here. Not a big deal. Um, so that is what I would, that, what I would hope. It is interesting though, that the licensed, officially licensed afterglow ones do have microphones on them. Like why else would you need that microphone if it wasn't going to work? So it's interesting, but I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I would have really liked is if the, uh, switch pro controller came with a headphone jack built into it that way yes. when you buy it and it came with a headset include like a cheap one, you know, nothing big, <laughs> but just one included with it. So, because I think people that buy that controller are looking for that that bigger experience, you know? And I think they are the ones that are going to be playing at home, and they're the ones that that want that kind of connectivity. And may, maybe it's okay that they excluded it on the base console itself. It's not like I'm too worried too much about the app. I mean, I know everybody has a cell phone, right? It's not like you're going to be caught without one. So I know that people are going to be able to get that to work in some way. I just, I find the more layers you put in between you playing the game and the ease of connectivity, uh, the more difficult it gets. And I think that's going to push a lot of people away from being able to natively. And, you know, it's not like I don't, I would like to play with, uh, uh, to speak to other people that I'm talking to when I'm playing amazing Nintendo games, you know, and that's just mm -hmm. the way I feel about that. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, what I, my advice right now to anyone out there, keep your expectations for the uh, the online service low and be pleasantly surprised when it comes out because <laughs> if, if, if they're lower, obviously, and they come out and say, hey, Bluetooth, plug it in, use it, all these options, that's awesome. But don't uh, don't go in there thinking it's going to be that way and then be disappointed. So, <laughs> um, But let me, uh, I guess that's about it for all of that. Um, why don't we take a few questions from the audience right now? Um, guys, uh, do you guys have your chat boxes open for the um, the chat for the live chat to see what people are, are saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to keep an eye yeah. on it. Okay, very good, very good. Let's see. Uh, uh, oh, uh, uh, Shane, this is from Super Metal Dave 64, who will be on next week, I believe, as so far. Um, <laughs> what uh, what is your favorite Super Nintendo game? 
favorite Super Nintendo game would either be Super Mario Kart or Star Fox. Uh, Star Fox, I like playing Star Fox specifically on a Super Nintendo. It always seems to work best on that. And for me, it's the idea of the technology that went behind making that game that I find mm -hmm. so fascinating and awesome. And I love the history of that game. But if I had to pick one Super Nintendo game that I like playing more than anything else, mm -hmm. oh, I'd probably pick... This is going to be a tough one. Uh, I, I I think I'd pr probably pick Super Mario Kart. I just because the battle mode on that, I just I just come back to to how fun that was to play and how enjoyable it was, and it was just always this great experience. And I remember I remember playing Mode Seven for the first time and seeing the levels. They just blow your mind, like, right? <laughs> oh, because nothing looked like my favorite racing game before that was RC Pro Am. So when I played Super uh, when when I played the Super Nintendo and I saw that, I was like. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is awesome. And I remember I, my friend, my next door neighbor had it, and I'd go to his house like every day to play it for the longest time. It was just so I never got sick of that game. Let's jump over to Philip. Philip, what's your Super Nintendo favorite Super Nintendo game, man? Oh man, my favorite Super Nintendo game. That's a really good question. I'm I'm gonna stay with The Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past. Definitely. Sure, that's, that's, that's a classic. Absolutely. I mean, I've beaten it countless times, and it's it's my classic game. It's my yep. go-to. I still play it every year. So. Yep, they could they release that game. They could release that game constantly, and people still buy it. So it is that good of a game. Although that is an interesting thought I just had. If Link to the Past came out now, with how people perceive visuals, would they still be able to get full price? Let's say fifty or sixty bucks for that game. Um, <laughs> probably not. Yeah. See, isn't that yeah. interesting how how things have changed now to where we perceive value as visuals and and vastness of open worlds whereas a game like Link to the past maybe yeah. you've played three to four hundred hours for but uh the mainstream might not assume that that's worth that kind of money when technically it probably is yeah exactly <laughs> it would probably piss a lot of people off unfortunately but i mean honestly i would pay sixty dollars for like a full version of that game on my switch oh, oh there's plenty of super that. nintendo games i would pay 60 bucks for just because yeah Really, you should look at games with how much time you spend playing them as opposed to how much money you spent for them. You can almost break it down into like how much are you paying an hour to play a game, whereas something like The Order, I spent about $20 an hour to play, <laughs> you know, on the PS4, and then here's Link to the Past where maybe you're playing like paying like three cents an hour for something crazy, you know, because you've been playing it since you were a kid. So Right, it's, exactly. It's interesting to think that way. Uh, Evan, what's um, what's your what would be your favorite Super Nintendo game? I mean... When thinking about it, it's not so much, I guess, the overall game, but like what I guess it represented at that time. Because I'm trying to think, really, I think it just came down to a Chrono Trigger, just because it was a little different from what I was experiencing as RPGs at that point. And it mm -hmm. was kind of that hopeful forward look to what might happen, I guess, in the future for like some something else throwing a curveball at me, which after we started the store, I found out was happening overseas and we weren't getting it. And I was kind of mad about that. Um, so which, wait, which, which game was that? Chrono Trigger. Oh, okay, yeah, Chrono Trigger. Yep. Chrono yeah. I, I, I was almost positive you were going to say Tales of Fantasia. Well, that's the thing. That's that's the new ones. Uh, they were fun to play, and they're great. And Tales of Fantasia, Gundam Wing, Endless... Uh, oh, Endless, Endless Duel. Duel. I built Dude, that game so just so we could play it. So good. Yeah. It was so fun to play. Shane, Shane might not know that. I was, uh, I was, I was a, a repro builder for a little while. Oh, nope. man. That intro animation and intro soundtrack of Just Communication, I, I just just love that yeah, so much. so good. And then getting You're, your ass handed to you by the Epion, worst AI man. ever on Epion. Epion. 
Dude, he he his super refills his, his super, super refills his super. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're blocking. Um, my I guess my my favorite Super Nintendo game is kind of a, an off. I don't know. I want to say it's off beaten trail, but it's definitely not one most people would say. I was a big fan of Mega Man X three, and uh, a lot of people don't even like that one as their favorite one. But that's the one I probably rented from this mom and pop shop more times than I should have because I probably could have bought it after renting it for like the twelfth time. <laughs> But it was uh, that was one of my favorite ones, and now I look back on it, I probably should have because it's worth like what two hundred and twenty dollars or something crazy now, which I'll ne- I'll still never understand retro inflation as opposed to how it is now. But that was probably my favorite one. That and of course Mario World because that that's what I had for the longest time as a kid with no money. So, um, but those would probably be my my favorite ones. Um, Oh, people are talking about the Nintendo Direct, or I guess the E3 presentation. Nintendo and Sony have a ton of floor space set up, and I'm not really sure why why Nintendo has so much if they're just doing a Direct, unless they have things to showcase on the floor to the public. So I think they're going to show things. Yeah, but like um, like Sony has what twenty four thousand square feet, and then Nintendo has like twenty thousand square feet. So it's it's and then Microsoft has like eight thousand square feet. They're I'm guessing a really big poster, man. <laughs> <laughs> They're just well, going to fill mean, the entire section up with uh, Breath of the Wild. So. Yeah, part two. <laughs> yeah. They're going to they're gonna show games. I yeah. mean, I because I, they said they're not going to have their E3 like conference thing. They're not going to show. Uh, they're not going to have a big stage event. Mm-hmm. But I think that their their direct or their their Nintendo directs have been better. I, I I mean, I know that's a little controversial, but man, whenever they do stuff on stages, like especially Microsoft and Sony, you know, they, they always get to that point where they're like, okay, everybody, here's 30 minutes of Call of Duty. Here's 30 minutes of Madden. And we're going to invite this sports celebrity up that you've never heard of before. <laughs> oh, and here's charts. Charts. And it's like, <laughs> okay, yeah. But when Nintendo does a direct, man, they- it's very controlled. It's very streamlined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they, they sat there and they edited it. They made you a little movie to be like, hey, this is interesting. Hey, this is interesting. Look, here's a puppet. You know, like it's it's stuff that keeps you going. And I think yeah. I think the Nintendo Directs are, are I, I think I find those far more interesting. Plus, unlike the E3 events where you feel like you're missing something from not sitting in that uh, in, in that like uh, that stage, right? Mm-hmm. Or just mm-hmm. being in the audience, the Nintendo Directs are for the viewers. They're, they're yeah. for everyone at home to be a part of all at once. And I think that makes it a, a far more interesting thing. Although I will say being in the crowd for that Twilight Princess reveal probably was one of the one of the one of the craziest things ever. If you if you haven't seen E3 2004, go back and watch that Twilight Princess reveal and just listen to the crowd. Uh, Mike Bro Brown just said, Rerez, I started watching your positive videos recently, and I guess that Wii music demonstration really turned Nintendo away from the E3 conferences. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, I did. I did a. I did a pot like a, my series of positives. I like. I take uh-huh. bad video games and then I find four positives about them, no matter how bad they are, including Superman sixty four, which is maddening. But we did Wii Music, <laughs> and and Wii Music for the beginning. I'm like, I know how I'm starting this video. Let's just show the E three, uh, like show off there, and that was the worst E three presentation I've ever seen from Nintendo. It is was- is. Was that the heart rate sensor too, or was that just Wii Music? Am I thinking it may that? have been that at that same time too? But yeah, we Wii Music. They had like a drummer on there, and everything sounded awful. And and then they got everybody on stage playing bad music and stuff. The whole thing was just you want to you want to know something really really funny. If you um, so it was very popular to obviously mod and hack your Wii and do all this stuff, rip and dump games and everything. And uh, there was a coworker of ours that did that to his Wii, and he wanted to 
dump Wii music to it. And we popped it in because usually you'd pop it in, you'd walk away because Smash Bros is what, like like six gigs or something like that? You know, other games were bigger. We popped Wii Music in and it was like 100 megabytes <laughs> off that disc. So we, we popped it in, the bar filled up and I was like, something must be wrong. No, Wii Music's like 140 gig- megabytes or something. Wow, I didn't even <laughs> know that. That's very telling, I think. <laughs> um, but let's see, what else, uh, what else people say in the chat here? <clears throat> Um, dun, 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 dun. <clears throat> the and... Wii Vitality Sensor. Yeah, yes. I. Uh, <laughs> I <don't think> <laughs> well, compared Wii Music versus the Connect uh, reveal with the laser tag and everything, which one oh, was a little man. more cringeworthy is for that, you? Is that one with Call of Duty where they were reloading and they were like holding a fake gun and they were just. No, that was that was straight up laser tag. <laughs> it was just the laser tag. They had the group of people run in from the back of the theater shooting at each other. Dude, the, announcer was, the announcer was standing there going, I have no idea what's going on. You this don't is... remember that person who was like, You reload by raising the roof with Ghost Recon or something? No, that was uh yeah, that was the connect <laughs> one. But then they also had the failed like almost immediately after they had the failed uh Star Wars Connect thing where they were like, Now lift the tank and you had to do it like thirty times to get it to actually happen. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, <laughs> that whole yeah, thing. He was like lifting it, he's like and it just fell, he's like Crap. Crap. I, I, I remember uh, with the Connect, I played. Um, I, I'm such a huge fan of Steel Battalion on the original Xbox. And when they did the Connect version of Steel Battalion, we had two of those. That was beautiful. Uh, that I, I was like, oh my God, it makes sense. Steel Battalion, but without the really expensive controller. This, I get, I get this. And then I played it and I was like, I want to burn you guys to death. <laughs> what was wrong with you? Didn't you sit down and play this? Yeah, when you go to shoot, you just do, you know, the YMCA dance and then yeah. jump in and, and nothing worked. And you're just like everything. And then and then I remember the worst part was at the very beginning, this guy's taking a piss, and then he 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 he, he, he with his dirty hands, he picks up an apple and he throws it at you. And I and I remember he threw it at me, and then I went to go reach, and then I, I didn't hit it. And I was like, this game's gonna suck. <laughs> it it made you... sense in concept, right? But then they actually put it out, and you were just like, "Oh no!" <laughs> yeah, it was just like, "What?" I I I hate that game. You you know the game is gonna suck the moment a piss apple's thrown your way. I mean, it's just as simple as that. <laughs> oh man! So I have there's a there's another question here um, for E three predictions. I want to go a little further, and I guess we can go with any one company, but. I guess if you had to say a game for E3 that is unlikely but would be amazing, what, what which game would it be? Like, what's a game that's unlikely that you would hear but that would really, I think, help that system or that company? Metroid first-person shooter with multiplayer. Okay, I think, I think so, we've brought that up for the past two podcasts. Well, we talked yeah. about Metroid because the it, it almost feels like because of how much name dropping and how much uh, obviously them alluding to Metroid, Reggie seeing, oh, talk to me next time, this time next year, or whatever, and 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 all this stuff that there is some kind of Metroid game probably in the works, right? You're you're hoping for a more Metroid Prime one, like probably like me actually, because I, I want a Metroid Prime game coming out. Um, but uh, Metroid Prime 2 had some really good online or not online, but a really good multiplayer mm-hmm. that I, I had fun playing with friends. And I think that if they were to do that with uh, with Switch, I think it would be really fun because I think the Switch needs a killer first person shooter. And Metroid Prime was such a fantastic series. And I think they did such a great job on it and bringing it back to 
bringing it onto the switch with the better graphics, the capabilities of that system and having it be portable. I could see, cause I remember, uh, I think it was Metroid prime hunters was the, mm, DS yeah, version. On, on yep. the DS. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. I, I would love to be able to relive those kind of moments, go to a friend's house. We all like sync. We all start playing the game together. I think that'd be really fun. Something like that. And I think that would be just awesome. Oh yeah. Okay. Metroid prime hunters too. There you go. Okay. Very good. Um, what would you say, Philip? What would be the the game that that's unlikely but would help your the the company? You could pick any any one of the three, or in Evan's case, you could pick a PC one. I assume we're gonna stick with the big three, though. Oh man, anyone can, you want? Can it be a game that we know exists, but we'd like to see it come to a particular console? And I think uh, I know what what console yeah. you think I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So make a big enough splash, you think, and affect whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I would love to see Red Dead 2 come to the Switch. Um, okay. I know we were talking about Grand Theft Auto 5 earlier, but I think it would be cool if they just went ahead and just said, you know what, here's Red Dead 2 right on the Switch. Why not? You know? Sure. That makes sense. Um, what about what about you, Evan? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, they're just going to announce some of the more basic stuff, I guess, on PC. It's, I mean, it's you don't have to go with PC, you can go with anybody. Yeah, no, because it's good. E3 tends to heavily focus entirely on console anyway so like i mean what are what even are we gonna get i mean we got the more updated fighting games already mm-hmm. we've got some of the more updated first person shooters already announced i know chat said uh half-life 3 but i mean that's just a meme at this point um there's really nothing like i guess i'm, I guess I'm gonna be jaded this year it's gonna be great Pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Not, I'm more interested in a lot of these like games coming out of nowhere. Like, all right, what if? Uh, probably the only thing that would make me interested is if like THQ Nordic, since mm-hmm. even though THQ, yeah, they released tons of crap games, but I feel like past that point, they did release some of my favorite games of all time. Like compared to the people that are still around, they got destroyed by their side titles that just dragged them down. It was horrible, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but. Uh, Nordic picked up tons of their stuff. What if they just showed up with just tons of games beyond what we've heard about uh, that might have been old IPs from THQ that we'd like to see come back or something? Like I, I don't know. That'd be that would be more interesting to me than anything that's going on, I guess, right now. Right. Uh, so that, would would you say something like uh, like Darksiders three? That could be cool, but I know the studio is doing uh, doing Night War with a. Uh, battle chasers so okay. maybe they're maybe that was something they were doing on the side that they weren't talking about that would be interesting mm-hmm. um that'd probably be about it like if if something from those old ips came back forward because up until that point i mean it's just the titles that we've seen through like kickstarter programs and stuff that are really interesting me although those tend not to be a, truly amazing compared to like what their initial push is. So like pray for the gods was interesting since it's basically shadow of the Colossus, but on a newer system, uh, those maybe just seeing a little more about them would be great. I guess at this point. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. We have three companies, right? So I guess if I had to say, I've already said it for the switch, they need something that would really make people talk kingdom hearts three or final fantasy seven remake. Either one of those make people talk. They both run Unreal Engine 4. It's very possible outside of there, maybe like a Golden Sun. Metroid's already been mentioned there. Um, I guess you, you can really bring back any... See, Nintendo has so many... They're very fortunate. They have so many franchises they can kind of just revive from the dead. They could bring a new Kid Icarus, and people would probably be like, oh, great, Kid Icarus, right? Um, you could say Monster Hunter, but that would be more Capcom side going to the Switch. I would say they have to make a big splash. Kingdom Hearts is so talked about right now. That would be a great one to bring to the Switch. Um, Unreal Engine 4, it's, it's doable. 
Um, and if I had to move over, because right now the biggest company that's in, I think that, that really needs to do something other than just come to the table with a console is Microsoft. They need to pretty much, I'm going to say this, it, it sounds bad. They need to go somewhere and just buy an IP. Like it doesn't matter what system it was on before. If there's no contract talks for the next one, they just need to go buy it and put it on just the Xbox one. And if they want to cross platform it to windows 10, they can, I mean, they could go out of their way and buy, I don't know. They could, Bring back Lost Odyssey, make Lost Odyssey two. They could, uh, they could buy Bayonetta three if they if the contracts were there and just just put it on the Xbox. There's a lot of stuff they can do because right now they're going in with Sea of Thieves and they're going in with what Phantom Dust that's supposed to be out before E three. Um, I mean, can you guys name any other exclusives that are coming out on the Xbox right now? It's really not. No. I mean, they they have things, but just not enough. And I think they may have been holding it off for Scorpio, but even then. I, I do have some ideas though that I think I th I have one idea for Microsoft that I think if they did it on Xbox okay. One. Okay, you are you are you are Microsoft with crazy amounts of money. What do you do? Minecraft two. That I was gonna say Minecraft two. I was I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't know how they do it. Minecraft two, but it would have to be exclusive to the Xbox. That's it. It's okay. exclusive to the Xbox and that's it. Okay. And it's that? completely yeah, it's completely doable because that system's been shown in other systems to be like a little bit better. Um was it? it was landmark which was supposed to be the next everquest used the same system but on top of it it would render around it to feel a little more realistic less blocky but still open-ended and you can just build and create i if they did that that'd be awesome yeah the I, <laughs> the only other thing you could yeah that's fine but then if you also jump over to sony i mean sony is leading right now obviously but you got to keep the pressure on right so what do we do for Sony at E3? Do they do they pull a Microsoft and buy a franchise off someone? Do they somehow wrestle the rights to Scalebound from Microsoft, which they will never, because Microsoft's going to bury that thing, unfortunately? Um, or do you do you kind of go into your bag of 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 IPs, maybe do like a Jack and Daxter or something? Well, th this is what I think. Um, I think that they should secure because they seem to have a really good working relationship with sega with the yakuza series right now mm -hmm. oh yeah i think that they should lock down um shenmue and get shenmue one and two hd exclusively for the playstation 4. there's a url for crazy. that right floating around oh i i don't even know shenmue fans are are are, are just as insane as i am so of course they're gonna they're always trying to get things to happen everywhere but right yeah I, it's i think that uh i think that would really help a lot as r crazy as it is, PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale 2. Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. that there is, there's an idea there that we could see. Because the first one wasn't so great. I I'll, 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 I'll be the first to say that. Um, I think that if they were to improve it a bit, I think they could really find something and, and lock it down and, and make it very cool. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, Sony, they're doing what they're doing. They got all that stuff. I think the other thing Microsoft could do to really help them out, but this wouldn't really be directly with them. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess uh, Black Ops, uh, the, the the older Call of Duties, if they mm -hmm. could get all the original Call of Duties in like a single package, you buy it for $20 and it's just, it's just a digital, it's the 360 games just downloaded and they're running great and all that stuff on the Xbox One backwards compatibility. And it's mm -hmm. just a $20 purchase plus you get all the DLC. That would be a big deal because the older Call of Duties don't really get purchased after that first year, right? Um, on on this on the market, then they just go down. And I think if they were to do that, introduce the 360 versions again in this really good package, I think it would really help them a lot, especially for for like keeping people interested in the 360 backwards compatibility. Plus, it would be a value buy for them. But I think for Nintendo, there are tons and tons of options. And one I think they should do 
is uh, taking uh, the 3DS version of Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time and having a couple of the older versions before that and mm. uh, putting them on the Switch. Uh, the 3DS versions of Ocarina of Time and uh, Majora's Mask have slightly better graphics, uh, different model work and stuff like that. And having those rendered out at 720 and 1080p, I think would be a really big deal. And it, I think a lot of people love that. Plus, we know that there's like a over 100% attach rate of Zelda on the Switch. It yeah. makes sense. I would how do we remaster? Shocked. How do we get Link's Awakening remastered? How do we do that? <laughs> oh, just, 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 honestly, just take the game and turn it into widescreen. Oh, so I mean, like, that's what we need to do. How do we get that done? That's uh, I like that. have call it the Zelda Collection, right, or the the Zelda Classic Collection Volume One, whatever you want to call it. Do that. You already have the games made. Just get them, work them around a little bit, get them on the Switch. People would line up across the world just to play that. Um, and I think for another thing, because it looks like Konami seems to like Nintendo right now since uh, Bomberman's back. And I know that there's that rapid fan base out there for, for Nintendo. Maybe if Konami were to work with whatever fraction of, 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 of uh, Kojima's team is still at Konami to get um, Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes on the Switch in high definition. And I would play screen. that. Yep, I would right? play that. And, and then and basically create uh, try and get their own uh, collector's version. Because uh, they, they did, uh, Blue Point did the Metal Gear Solid Legacy Collection. Um, where they had uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 on the Xbox uh, mm -hmm. 360 and the PlayStation 3. Well, bring those in too so that people can play through the entire series all the way through with that first game there as well. And I think I think that could work really well. They definitely have a lot they can pick from. Um, I don't know, Philip, would you buy those Zelda games? I probably would. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you kidding me? I'd love to even just see like a GBA collection or, or I mean like a portable oh, yeah. Zelda collection. Yeah, they collection. could bring over like Oracle of Seasons, Oracle of Ages. Those were like your favorite games, weren't they, Evan? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you played all a right. lot of those. We still, You still need to get you a Switch, man. That's like, because you know those games are coming. <laughs> Something's good's coming out of E3 for all of them. Well, I don't want to say everybody because like I said, right now, Microsoft is canceling games left and right well at least they've canceled Scalebound, which was the one reason i was excited for the xbox was for Scalebound, um and i think it's they're in a bad place compared to the others i think in terms of games but obviously hardware they will have the at least the the most powerful piece of hardware it's hard to say best because that's kind of opinionated right now or objective considering someone might find the switch's portability best or maybe they find i don't know what what would really the PS4 Pro even have over the Scorpio at that point other than games? I guess nothing because it's all power-based then for hardware. It's got audience. That's really the only thing that's really pushing it forward at this point. The yeah. the initial, like, it's, it's, it's like if you're thinking about playing online games with friends, you're probably going to get a PlayStation 4. And it's just been evolving that way. And it's funny because, honestly, I got my PlayStation 4, but I play my Xbox One way more. Uh, I've got... Every month with gold, you're getting really good games coming your way. Mm -hmm. And with PlayStation's, uh, PlayStation or PSN service, the free games are giving you every month, don't seem to be in the same ballpark. They're, they're getting kind of lazy with that. You're right. I will say that. I mean, they're in some instances, it's good, like Day of the Tentacle. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. But it's like not, not games that I think I'll, I, I'm an old hand when it comes to uh, like point and click action adventure games. I happen to like that one quite a bit. Might even be my favorite, but I don't think everyone revolves around the same thought on that as I do. So at E three, I expect for Microsoft Forza Seven. That's pretty much a lock at this point because they've already shown um, that they are working on it heavily right now. And then 
maybe Halo 6. Maybe it's time to get Halo back on track with Halo 6 and get Master Chief back in the middle rather than kind of put him in, like, what, three missions out of the entire game? Well, so, it did look like Microsoft was focusing on getting original Xbox games to come back. Like, they, they were showing mm -hmm. off uh, Phantom Dust, I think the original, and they were showing that. Yep, that's uh, going to be like a, a digital release that they're kind of fixing up for the Xbox One right now. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, I just played Voodoo Vince. That that was an mm -hmm. original Xbox uh, yep. game that's been brought over. So I think if they do that a little bit more, that'd be cool. What I'd really like to see, just hands up, I'd love to see, or hands up, hands down, uh, Sony going, okay, guys, uh, classic PlayStation games, uh, your old purchases, uh, old purchases from PlayStation 3 are now coming forward. And you get to emulate PlayStation 2 games on the PlayStation 4 hardware now. So we're just going to bring those older games over. Um, it, I just want to play those games again. Like, I've got on my PlayStation 3, I have Twisted Metal 2, a digital download. And if Sony's just like, okay, all those old games that you bought on PlayStation 3, transfer over now on PlayStation 4. Mm -hmm. And I would have a huge collection of really classic games I'd love to be playing on a PlayStation 4 Pro. Honestly, because if they can upscale those games' resolutions to 4K so they don't look like crap on my 4K TV, that's great. Because as it stands right now, playing a PlayStation 1 on a 4K TV or a 1080p TV doesn't look that good. And just that slight upscaling, just, just software upscaling, just makes it look like it used to, you know? So that's... um. That's actually not a bad idea, but that, yeah, but I just, I still feel like instead of going backwards, maybe they should start working on new IPs, you know, like stuff that would make us want to, but even if they are, uh, uh, I guess, commissioning other companies to make it exclusively, like, I'm sure there will be a new Tomb Raider being shown, um, and it'll be a timed exclusive for the Xbox, much like the last one was, but I just feel like they're, they're focusing on hardware without the games, and usually the games are the reason we buy the hardware, so maybe you go back, get some original Xbox games, you go forward a little bit, get some original IPs, and you just try to build a, a reason to play the, the Scorpio, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. So um, let's see uh, any other questions from the chat. Let's see. What do you guys got here? Um, what game that was canceled, want release, scale bound? Easy. <laughs> um <laughs> Should PlayStation revive the Twisted Metal series? Uh, probably not, because the one that was last on the PS3, I don't think made them a lot of money. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't think it sold well. That was pretty um, bad. They pushed it pretty hard, and then no one, like, it just puttered out. No one really yeah. talked. Yeah, I just, I, it just didn't, it didn't do anything crazy. Legend of Dragoon, you could do, but keep in mind, the mainstream audience wouldn't know what that is, as opposed to some of the older main, like, like, hardcore gamers that will know what that is, they would have to reestablish that brand completely. That's, that's one of the big problems we're in right now is companies are less risky right now and they're going with name namesake currently. So you'll see a lot of sequels probably D3 too. Get ready for that. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, what, what, old, what old Nintendo franchise would you want back? Um, ooh, that's, that's actually a good one. I don't know. What, what is it? They, yeah, they seem... They kind of cycle them around a lot. It's hard to say what what is so old they wouldn't bring back. Like I was happy with uh with Wonder Boy coming back for the um the Switch there and the PS4. That was a really cool little pickup there and Xbox One. Advanced um, Wars for me. That's that's like a big deal. I, I oh love yeah, Advanced Wars. That I would work well. That would work really well. Okay, what game? <laughs> what game would shock you the most if announced at Spawn Wave? Uh, that is very easy. Uh, Microsoft comes out on stage says they struck a deal with Valve, and then Half-Life 3 pops up on the screen behind them. <laughs> My head would probably explode. Uh, this is me. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I remember 
I remember when they were doing the when they were showing off uh, Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. like on on stage at E three. I remember I tweeted out and I said, uh, if if they if they announce Shenmue three next, mm-hmm. I'm gonna buy Sony stock. I remember I said that. <laughs> then it was five minutes later. I went. Ah, what? <laughs> no. And then, and then I had a whole bunch of people were contacting me, going, "It's like, how did you know? Did you have inside information?" It's like I just said something. Like I didn't expect that to actually happen. It's like saying, "Yeah, the moon's gonna crash on my house tomorrow," which I could have said it, and then it would have happened because that's how close those things were together. But I think, uh, I think um, a game that would really blow my mind if they just announced it and just said that it's coming out. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, I'd be shocked, like straight up dead shocked to hear about a new Star Fox game Ooh. Be, uh, being, uh, be, being announced for us, uh, for, um, for, uh, for Switch. Switch. Is that because, and... it's, because the old one kind of bombed a little bit? Is that why you're thinking that? Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, okay. the Wii U just didn't do well enough. I think that's, sure. that, that's the thing. Yeah. That makes, I mean, that makes sense. Some people are saying things like Golden Sun, of course, uh, that's that's a good one. Golden Sun has been kind of uh, kind of on the back burner for a little while. Obviously, it's it was released kind of as, as a game on the DS and everything, but it's been kind of uh, it's kind of left out there right now. So that's um that's one I wouldn't mind seeing, but it's hard to say if we would see that anytime soon. Uh, Diablo three going to Switch wouldn't be bad. Um, Dark Souls would be nice. Dark Souls to the Switch would be bad. Um, so what about a Battletoads remake? They would have to add a lot. For Battletoads to be worth the money they would want for it, I will say that they'd have to add probably leveling system. I don't know. There, there's all kinds of stuff they have to add to give that series some meat. And with most of the remakes we're seeing, it almost makes me not want them to do it, just so I can keep that in my mind in like a happy place. Because I the Double Dragon thing they put out that was like the new version, the Neon, I think it was. Uh, yeah. Like it. Um, so there's a lot there, but. Uh, <clears throat> Dark Souls, yeah, sure. Uh, and we'll take one more question because we're getting close to midnight before we outro and wrap it up. Uh, give me a good one from the chat, guys. Give me a good one for us to finish on. Yeah, it doesn't look like CD Projekt Red's at E3, so I'm not even going to see any cyberpunk stuff, so I don't really care right That's now. a whole thing on its own. <laughs> uh, okay, I see one there that I might take. We'll see what the next couple are. Um... Mother 3 announcement. I'm going to talk about Mother 3. It's been promised me so many times. It's it's yeah, it's not even worth talking about now. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay, here's a good one. All right, this is good. Um, and I, I think it's good because this will actually have a little conversation. Why does Nintendo Switch's system cost $2.99 when it is weaker than the other two systems? Because it's portable. Right, but what what uh I guess in their mind because this is one of the big arguing points. If you go on any of those toxic kind of like N4G, for example, people will just say the Switch is not worth the money. Which it, really, if you get down to it, they have they've even broken down the Joy Cons and found that Nintendo does not make the most money on the Joy Cons as compared to other systems as they should. Which, by the way, the wholesale on a pair of Joy Cons at eighty dollars is sixty eight dollars. So they're probably not even making money at all as much anyway as they used to on the accessories. But people seem to have this interesting. Um, perception of the Switch that it's completely overpriced, and I, I don't think I understand that. I understand that uh, I guess people see it as graphically weaker, so it should cost less. 
when there are other things, I guess, to factor in. Technology and research. Exactly, yes. Yeah. There's this... <laughs> it's, it's, oh, this is gonna, I'm gonna get hung for this. It's <laughs> not worth the money right now to buy a Switch. I'm sorry to say that, but you're basically buying the game, the system right now to play Zelda, a game you can play on the Wii U, or to play Mario Kart, a game you can play on the Wii U. It, it hasn't proven itself yet. For people that really want to get it, you're going to start to see more interesting games come. Not that those games aren't interesting, and not that those game, not that those versions of those. But games they're they're are, available they're not, before. Yeah. Yeah, right. they were available before. The versions on Switch are better, but for the mainstream audience that may have already bought this or stuff, they might not get the value out of it that they necessarily want. The mm -hmm. concept of making those games portable that's the new thing that's where your money's going to and if you're not into that just wait a little bit and there's going to be a huge uh, library of games there for you that you can get and unfortunately even like uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris if you really want to play the game and you don't care if it's portable not only can you get it on PlayStation 4 but it's like $20 cheaper on PlayStation 4 or something like that was it is, is it $30 on the PS4 am I wrong I think it is yeah well, it's 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 thirty dollars on the Switch as well. It's it's forty if you want it physically, which I assume maybe from manufacturing expenses or something because they have to print it. If if I'm wrong, I I can look, but I, I feel like it's about this. It's it's more expensive if it's physically. But you do bring up a good point because apparently something like Rhyme is going to be ten dollars more on the Switch. So yeah. you, you, you do have a good point there. It's just it's it's not to discredit the system for what it is or anything like that. And the ability to play Mario Kart Eight and Zelda portably, once you've tried that, it really is something else. You know, like it's mm -hmm. it's, it's it's a tangible difference. But I think for people out there that are really trying to save their money or they just want to play these games, there are other options out there that are cheaper to play those specific games. In some instance, right now, um, when you see Splatoon Two, that's going to be a fully uh, we, we are to understand a very different game. What I played, what I saw, it looks the same, it plays the same. So you can still play that on Wii U, but it is going to be a different game. Um, that new Mario game is going to be all unique to the Switch. You're not going to be getting that on Wii U. And I think um, Splatoon 2 and that are going to be the very first time we see something completely unique to the system that was not based off of, of something prior. However, and I stress this because this is going to, when, when Splatoon 2 comes out, a lot of people are going to make this comparison the games look exactly the same. When I went over to, uh, when a bunch of us went to go play the Switch for the first time, they actually let us play Splatoon 2, mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of people thought they were just playing Splatoon 1 on, on just the portable screen. They had no idea that it was Splatoon 2. The mm -hmm. games look exactly the same. There's new weapons and, and stuff like that, but just Are so you saying close. the same thing for uh, Mario Kart as well? Yeah, well, I mean, without the battle mode, and by the oh. way, the battle mode is a big deal for me. Like mm -hmm. uh, that, that when I when I went to go play uh, like months ago, when I went to go play Mario Kart, mm -hmm. uh, I played the battle mode. I didn't care about the races because it's like I've done that already. Sure. What matters is 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 that thing. Oh, uh, gateway. Uh, sorry, gateway. I just mentioned arms. Absolutely, mm -hmm. that's correct. Arms. I don't know how many people are going to buy that game. It's it's cool. It's a new IP. But what I played of it, I didn't like, and I think a lot of people are going to not really enjoy the motion control mm -hmm. bits of it mm -hmm. but they're probably going to like the because they're doing uh physical controls i would just use well, the i would just use the pro controller yeah, yeah they're right. doing that fine um you know honestly i don't know if arms has the the the, the large potential that zelda has or the large mm -hmm. potential that mario kart has 
arms is a very good idea there and that's probably going to be the first game you're going to be able to get honestly but sure that, that's unique that that actually makes sense arms is the first game i, I completely for, i always forget about arms well it's going to be tough because it's a new ip you have to ingrain in people's minds that arms is now part of like underneath the nintendo umbrella because it's not something they've heard or even grown up with so it's tough yeah. especially in this day and age to uh i guess get that in people's minds that this is a new IP. It's probably around to stay. You know, if you enjoy it, it's going to probably be around for a while unless it completely bombs, you know, and then yeah. in like 10 years, we'll look back and be like, wow, arms three is coming out. This is going to be great. You know, you so. know, Spl Spl Splatoon was such a big deal because a group of people could play it online. And, and, and Mario Kart was such a big deal. The last one, because a group of people could play it online. And this one it's, I believe it's one versus one. What's that so, for, um, for, for arms for, for arms. Yeah. I think so. That maybe they'll do two v two in the sequel oh, legs, yeah. but I don't know. We'll see about that. Because I think when, <laughs> when I think of Nintendo and, and all those games, I, I think of like uh -huh. the party abilities of them. And, and Smash Brothers is the same way. Smash Brothers, it's a group of people playing. I I rarely ever play Smash Brothers one on one. Uh, when I've got friends over, we always play in like groups or like even mm -hmm. like honestly. Uh, three a group of three friends can play Smash Brothers and still have a lot of fun. And Pe I people in the chat are saying there's uh, there's uh, two v two. People in the chat are saying that there is. Okay, cool. So we're good on that. It is two v two. Is that is that how you would play, Philip? You play Smash Bros with like multiple people at once? Yeah. Um. Usually it's a group of four of us. So like that's whenever I would jump in on those tournaments. I rarely ever played it by myself, which is why I, I was always terrible. I never practiced. Would only pick it up and play with friends. Well, let me let me let me ask you. Do you think the switch at three hundred dollars is worth it right now? Um, I personally do think it is. Um, okay. me being somebody who didn't have a Wii U, um, I never got a chance to experience a game like Mario Kart Eight. Yes. Um, I also wouldn't have access to Breath of the Wild unless I went out and either made the choice to get it get a Wii U and Breath of the Wild or a Switch and Wii U. Um, so like, and I feel like there are are. A lot of people out there that might be in a similar position who might have been Nintendo fans and then sort of walked away, joined the Xbox and the Microsoft crowd mm -hmm. and now see the switch. And they're like, hey, wait a second. What what is this fancy new like hybrid handheld home console thing? And then or people like Evan, who primarily are PC gamers, but then now they see that they can get this like sort of indie slash triple A machine portable thing that complements their PC perfectly. You know, I think for us, it is worth buying now. Um, but maybe if you're like, you know, uh, you know, coming from a Wii U, didn't have a great experience with it, don't really care about Nintendo. Yeah, sure. Wait for um, wait for more games. But I guarantee you, like the Nintendo fanboys out there, like the hardcore Nintendo people, they're trying to get one or they have one. And the people like me out there that got lucky enough to get one early, like I'm happy with mine. I'm so happy with mine, obviously. <laughs> so, you know. Sure. I'm happy with mine as well. Um, I'm fine with it. Uh, Evan, you're kind of in an interesting position because you're kind of from the outside looking in. Uh, looking at the Switch right now, would you say it's worth $300? 300 Switch. I mean... Keep in mind, a 300 would almost get you a GTX 1070. I know at this in this <laughs> one exact moment. Just because I know that's kind of like the you know that's kind of that's interesting to you a 1070 or a Switch, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily need the 1070, but it would be fun to have. Um, but at the same time, like in this one moment, it both is and it isn't. But I'd probably say it leans more towards no, just because. Like, everyone's saying, like, oh, the games you're playing are already on, like, the Wii U. You can play them back and forth. And, yeah, no one really, well, people did buy the Wii U, but it's not major. Uh, but, like, it's more of that whole, like, here's a new system. Play all the old games on it that's already out. 
And like he said, the first real one we're getting is ARMS. So I feel like we're being introduced to the system before it probably should have been introduced. Uh, they probably should have had uh, the more connective capability done to it already. They probably should have put out more than just Zelda on it, which did come out on the Wii U at the same time. Like, I kind of want to see where it's going, mostly because of how back and forth they were about Bravely Default on the 3DS and how that made me sell my 3DS before they actually released it. Because I kind of don't want to deal with Nintendo's crap as much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, like, I want to see 100% yes-no answers on the games and how interested I'll be in them to really want to play them. Because, like, I know Battle Chasers is coming out on it, and I think that'd be a great thing since it's a dungeon delver strategy RPG kind of action game, and that's a really cool idea. I'm definitely getting it on PC, and yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. I, like, I don't really. I one maybe I'll play it on the mo- the more mobile system, but mm-hmm. I don't see myself doing that as much because I mean I could just have it up on my side screen, work on my artwork over here, and be completely fine. Wouldn't necessarily need it at that point. Um, so I don't know, 300 now? No, probably okay. not for me at this sure, moment. Okay, so I, I talked about this in my in the video I did before where it was like after a month looking at Switch, and I did mention that if you have a Wii U, it's probably okay to wait. Like, it's not, you don't have to go out and fight the crowds for a Switch if you're okay with playing something like Breath of the Wild near a TV, because, I mean, the Wii U, it goes, the tablet goes like seven feet from the, the Wii U if you're lucky, or eight feet or whatever. You can't go far. Um, and uh, I think if you have a Wii U, you can wait for the Switch. I would I said wait till after the summer, like maybe when Splatoon 2 is out and you're a Splatoon fan, um, or maybe you're getting closer to the holiday and you realize Mario's coming out, Xenoblade's coming out, maybe Shin Megami somehow makes it this year, and then E3 announcements. It's really, there is stuff to play, and if you're a fan of mobile games, like like playing on the go or having that convenience because maybe you don't always have a TV, like I don't always have a TV uh, because <laughs> when I'm upstairs because my wife is here, now we have this baby that's rolling around and stuff, so it's it's tough for me to sit down here and play games for hours on end, but it's easy for me to sit on the couch, pretend to watch the kid and make sure he's okay, and play the Switch. So, um, and uh, uh, Yeah, it's that, situational. It really is. <laughs> no choking noises? Alright, I'm good. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, it's, it's, it's situational, I think, for what works for you. And I think that's what's really cool about the Switch, is that the convenience factor is there. If you're great, if you want to play portably, it's your option. You can do it. Um, but really, I would wait until there's something you want on there. If you don't have Wii U, though, honestly, if you don't have Wii U, go buy it because it's the best experience you're going to have for Breath of the Wild. It's the best Mario Kart experience you're going to get now. And there are cool games like Puyo Puyo Tetris. And I'm, I actually really like Has Been Heroes, even. So um, there are options out there that you can play portably with that system if you don't have a Wii U already. Um, so. I'm seeing uh, there's a couple of people there asking me why why I don't believe uh, in the chat. Why, uh-huh, they're asking sure. why I don't believe uh, Melee is going to be an eSport in the future, even though it's lasted a long time so far. It's simply because the age of the kids that grew up playing it are mm-hmm. now they're they're like they're 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 becoming much older and the younger kids and the younger generation are playing it. But that got me to a really good idea that maybe we'll see at this e three melee HD. 
you, yeah, that would do it. Yeah, that would do it because the oh, older yeah. generation who likes Melee has are the ones buying Switches according to Nintendo Survey. So yeah, well, that was right, recently that one of like the uh, the announcements that someone threw up as a prediction, but then pulled it back or claimed they knew something, but it didn't actually happen. Apparently, that's all <laughs> over the internet. I also saw someone pop up when you talked about the 1070. You can't play Zelda on a 1070, but you can. Actually, you can. <laughs> I can upscale 4K. The- Good job. Thank those people over there getting uh, getting twenty to thirty thousand dollars a month for Simu or Semu, whatever you want to call it, on Patreon <laughs> for developing that. Because um, yes, you can play pretty much eh, not any, but most Wii U games on your computer now, which is I think crazy to think about. But I'm a little different on the new emulation front than what probably most people are, because I'm not a big fan of it. But there you go. Um, so. But I guess uh, I guess that will do it um, with everything we had here. It went a little longer than I thought, but for the most part, it was a lot of fun. Um, so it was uh, very kind of you, Shane, like I said before, to um, to take the time out of your night, which ended up being most of your night, I'm sure, at this point, um, <laughs> yeah, for joining us. Midnight now. I didn't no expect problem. it to go on that long. I thought it would be a little less than two hours, and we ended up talking for quite a while. <laughs> so, There's a lot to talk about this week. I, I've yeah, never been on a podcast. That has gone short. They've always always gone long because everybody just starts talking about stuff and we all get carried away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it happens. It, yeah, people in chat three hours, but hey, over over three hundred of you guys stuck with us most of the time, and we were it was pretty much three hundred something people here at all times. So thanks for sticking with us, guys. When we just talk randomly about stuff, well, to a to a degree, we were on point a lot of the time, I think. <laughs> um, but I appreciate it. Um, did you guys want to uh, shout out? Oh. I forgot. We're we're on this mission right now. Evan, what's your subscriber count for Kimmerick's gaming? Oh jeez. Like but I haven't put <laughs> any new videos out for it. That's the funny part. <laughs> I haven't had time. I have like six videos I have to edit of some inking I did recently and I ha- I have all these do videos. You have one of your, do you have one of your inks you can hold up to the camera right now? Oh, so we can see me. what one of your artworks is pieces. Jesus, not a hang on. <laughs> that's not, okay, that's a, all right, yeah, that's fine. Uh, where can we find you, man? Uh, you can find me here on YouTube if that's where you're watching this. Um, I am just look up Philip with an F, F I L I P, or you can check me out on Twitter at Philip Mewson. Um, yeah, I'd love to hang out with you guys. I do switch reviews uh, for accessories, I do gameplay videos, let's plays, have a lot of fun on my channel. I will say, um, uh, for how new Philip is to YouTube, and again his subscriber count, he probably has some of the best production value um, at that level right now. With uh, a lot of the equipment stuff he has and the editing, he takes his time with everything. So if you like kind of well put together videos and just overall quality of it, I would check him out. Uh, it's, he said, I, "I always just search Philip, and it comes right up." So you'll you'll see him kind of looking sideways to the camera when you type it in. <laughs> so go subscribe to Philip uh, Shane. I, I, I'm sure most people here know you. Um, Although some people were saying who's the negative guy on the podcast, I feel like you can go ahead and uh, uh, plug your channel as well. <laughs> uh, well, my channel is called Rerez, R-E-R-E-Z. Um, it doesn't, I don't actually do Let's Plays or anything like that. I traditionally just make uh, longer produced videos about things. Like the latest video we did is called The Worst Plug and Play Console Ever 2. Uh-huh. And that's uh, part four, technically, to the worst ever series of videos we've done. Uh, and that video is, I think, 55 minutes long but every sequence of it is edited <laughs> it's 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 like it, it it 
pulled a lot out of me to make it, that. It's it's very very again very high quality production value here, guys. What I'm saying it's it's not like these two guys here are not like sitting in like how I just sit over stand over there in a cam front of a camera and ramble the whole time. Yeah, just that's quick not, cuts and edits. Like I'm trying right. to get you to stop doing. Right. <laughs> that's, that's that's not that's not what these guys are doing. They're doing like high quality stuff. I just upgraded to a camera that is I think okay, but these guys would probably throw off a cliff. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you well, know, um, actually, if you guys want to see, this is literally what the basement looks like down here, where we have like everything set up with the new set and everything. So, yeah, we we I like this is all my house, and we we do it all down here and all that. So, but we're all YouTubers. We all pretty much have the same thing kind of. Well, set at least up, you, right? at least you have um at least you have uh sound those sound foam things. I was using moving blankets, so that works. <laughs> that works. Oh, the sound foam is 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 wonderful. If I could just get enough of it, it's too expensive. Yeah, so I have I have this set, I have the set over there for Let's Plays, then I have the green screen wall over here. So I and this is all in my basement. And then there's a fireplace over there for some reason. So I have uh, quite a few things down here. But for the most part, if you guys check out either of our channels, you'll be treated to pretty much top notch quality. So they take time with their videos and it looks good. Um, Evan, you have um oh oh wait, wait, actually uh, Shane, you had another channel too, right? Uh Rerez two. I've got yes. A, a... <laughs> I knew you had another one. Yes, I told you I got to out before I have him on here, man. Full background checks, everything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow, I didn't even. I, I, I geez, you knew something I forgot about. You gotta so pay that got... speeding ticket, man. <laughs> so yeah, Re Rerez One is where I put the larger produced content, and Rerez Two is where I put like uh, our, our series, the podcast that we do called The Hook, and in some cases I do just quick rant videos where I want to talk about something and just edit something together quick and talk about it. And uh, yeah, I it's. Two channels up, uh, Rerez Two and Rerez One. I can't, can't believe you remembered about Rerez Two. That is, that is. Insane. I told you, man. I check everybody out. I check. What gets weird out. is when we start putting up your banking numbers. It's going to yeah. be. Uh, <laughs> You're ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, that would be that'd be a bit, a bit too much, I think. But, yeah. uh, Shane, you also have a Patreon, correct? Yes, I do. Do you want to tell people about your Patreon? Uh, sure. So, um, as many of you know, YouTube ad revenue has started to go down the tubes. Um, I didn't mean that literally. I mean like they're actually going out of the tubes. It, it it affects uh, people. It affects channels that don't do like a lot of daily content and stuff. Channels that have very high production value and have to really spend a lot of time on one video. YouTube does not favor that anymore. So it's more about um, the quantity at this point than the quality for the most part. Um, go on, Shane. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, so basically, um, what we did was we start up a Patreon page where we have a couple of goals for shows we want to do. We actually want to do a TV series at some point where. We do like full 30 minute episodes that feel like you're watching top tier for video games and stuff. So we have that as a patron goal. Uh, we have uh, positives and negatives, bringing that back more regularly as a patron goal. Uh, we've got like a character I used to play called Gary Gamer. There's a lot of people that seem to like that and it's a little bit of a weirder show, but we want to bring that back. And uh, we have like a different patron um, reward tiers and stuff, but our $10 patron reward tier, I I'm really happy about because we actually contracted the company to make legitimately plastic membership cards with individual numbers they look like credit cards and everyone that becomes a ten dollar patron tier member actually gets their own individual membership number and we mail you the card and everything so we're doing that's that. actually that's wanna, a really creative idea yeah yeah we, we want to give something back to to the, to the people that uh, are part of uh, the patron community and when you're part of that group you're part of the re-res game club so we actually play it's like a book club for video games 
and uh, we're actually going to do like a, a, an exclusive video for that. And on our Patreon page, as weird as it is, that 55-minute video we did of the worst plug and play too actually has 15 minutes of outtakes, and um, those 15 minutes are exclusive to the Patreon members because they help make they help produce that video with their payment. And uh, it's it's not 15 minutes of just unedited content. It's like 15 mm -hmm. minutes of actual stuff that could have been in the episode, but time restrictions we had to take it out. And we also have the worst ever console too which is completely uncensored and that's something we can't have public on regress because there's a lot of swearing in that one yeah youtube doesn't like that either um <laughs> good good to know that good to know um evan do you have your inking you can hold up yeah I mean, it's not really super related to games but got some stuff floating around like recently and hey, that's all the time we have today guys we'll see you later <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I've streamed a bit. I fell off recently. The Twitch Kimrix project, I usually do streams of either games or my inking, and I have to focus on inking recently because of all the convention work coming up. But yeah, just got many videos of these things I have to get back up and running. It's probably not that good since my lighting's more for... So, Evan, how many subscribers are you at with your um your gaming channel that you don't... Gaming ones at 50. It started there at 20. Go. See? Yeah, so uh, the, again, guys, the the... the the idea here is to get his uh, gaming channel to 100 subscribers just because, I don't know. <laughs> so um, it's, Kim, what is it, Kimrix Gaming? Power. Yeah, uh, no, Kimrix Games. Kimrix Games, there you go. It jumped, what, 30 since last time? There you go. Kimrix Games, go over there, hit the subscribe button so we can get to triple digits. Um, and uh, I think that's about it. Uh, ben, congratulations to the controller one more time. Make sure you subscribe to Spawn Wave. We do this every Saturday night at 9. Shane, thank you for joining us. We'd love to have you again in the future. Um, like I said, usually the, the podcasts don't run this long, but thank you for sticking around. And, uh, and uh, I think that's it for now, guys. We will see you next Saturday night, same time, same place. We have Super Metal Dave 64 coming on next week. I think it'll be a lot of fun. He's been kind of dormant for a little while, but he's, uh, he's happy to come on here um, next Saturday night. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, with that, guys, we will see you next time. Night. See you.